in New York. Concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. I love New York. These streets will make you feel brand new. These lights will inspire you. Let's hear it for New York, New York, New York. <clears throat> New York, New York. Boom, we are back in it. Back in the saddle, A Star's Born, Episode 9. Nine, nine times. I'm your host, Chris Arneson, and let's talk about Denzel Washington today. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you for being a starfish. Um, before we get into the episode, let me do some plugs. So I'm an author. My name's Chris. I'm from Pullman, Washington. And my books are Sponge Cake, a mostly made-up story about a completely insane town, and What's in the Fridge. So Sponge Cake is a novel. It's based around a middle school bake sale in New England. So check that out. And you can get that on Amazon, Kindle, and Barnes & Noble. What's in the Fridge is motivational, spiritual, inspirational, and also has some fun uh, pop culture short stories and the like. So check that out too. That has a picture of a starfish on the cover. So um, a special for y'all starfishes. Um, check out my blog, thegoat1.blogspot.com. Go to my website, christtheauthor.com. Go to my Twitter. <coughs> Excuse me. Give me a follow on the Twitter, christtheauthor8. And follow my Instagram at chrisarneson8. And also, please share, share, share. Share, share, share. I would sing a share song if I knew one. But tell a friend about the podcast. Um, we're spreading the word of A Star is Born. And we're building the community of starfishes right now. We're in the process. And it's super exciting. So hop on board the old uh, roller coaster. And I would also like to plug... I just want to say, go ahead and... It's not summer right now. It's February 26th. Um, I should probably point out. February 26th, 2019. And it's about... 8.54 p.m. right now, and yeah, it's a dark, it's not snowing right now, but there's a lot of snow on the ground here in Pullman, Washington. I'm in my apartment across the street from Washington State University. Go Cougs. Um, yeah, I would like to plug, go ahead and jump off a dock into a lake this summer if you haven't done it in a while. Swimming in natural water is um, it's a beautiful thing, and it feels great, and it's a great way to reinvigorate your whole system, and just makes you feel good, so definitely jump off a dock into a lake this summer. Okay, I also want to plug the sportsquotient.com. This is a website I wrote for in 2018, and it's actually going to be coming to an end in a few days here. I got an email um, what was that yesterday from Robert Hess, one of the editors over there at Sports Quotient. And yeah, he said the website's going to be coming to an end because of technical difficulties. So I wrote over a hundred columns for them. So go ahead and check my writing out over at the sportsquotient.com while you still have the chance. Um, before we get into Denzel's IMDb, because that's what we do. If you don't know, that's what we do on A Star is Born. We talk about the star. This week it's Denzel Washington. We talk about their IMDb page. 
in their filmography and all the movies they've been in. But I want to talk about some other stuff before we get into that. So let's toss a plug out to Stand By Your Band. It's a um, podcast set in New York City. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not set in New York City, but um, Tom Thakar and um, Tom McNamara, Tommy McNamara are the two hosts and they're roommates in New York City. So there are a couple of comedians who live there. So that's why... I want to talk about that one. <laughs> that's the connection there to Denzel, and he's from um, New York City. So that's why we're doing the New York episode. So I just want to give a shout-out to a podcast I listen to there, Stand By Your Band. Uh, each episode, they have a guest come on and defend a band. So it's really fun to hear people talk about, like, Backstreet Boys and, you know, all the all the bands that get hated on, and, and they have to defend them. So that's pretty fun. Um, before we get in any farther, let's go give you a, a regular segment here on the, the whole podcast, Clipso Update. I have not had the chance to read any of Clipso, um, David Sidaris's book, his newest book from 2018. Haven't had the chance to read any of it. Still on page 212. So but that was just since this afternoon. So I have not had the chance. So there's your Clipso update. Um... Wanted to talk a little bit about, we're going to be talking some baseball later in the episode. So here we, maybe we'll just do that right now. So, used to play, used to play some baseball behind my uh, great aunt and great uncle's house, Billy and Alan. And they, I think there's houses being built there now. They're probably a bunch, of, there's probably a whole neighborhood there now. But they had a baseball field behind their house and we played there with all my little cousins, and I would play baseball there, and that's just a good memory. And yeah, that was pretty fun. Another speaking of baseball, um, here we go. Where where were we here? Um, oh yes, oh yes, we were gonna save that. <laughs> I'll tease that. That'll be uh for next episode. So tease you with a little baseball story for next episode. Oh yes, I'm still wearing the um fish skeleton socks that I was wearing in episode 8. If you haven't listened to ep- episode 8 or any of the first e- 8 episodes of A Star is Born, go ahead and check those out. The 8th one is Melissa McCarthy. And I'm not going to recite all of the first 7, but you can probably read it on the feed. Oh, here's a fun fact. Um, just completely random. Did you know that Arby's is actually like... If you say Arby's out loud, it's spelled A-R-B-Y-S. But if you say it out loud, it sounds like the letter, the letter R and the letter B. And do you know what that stands for? Roast beef. And you know what Arby's does? That's right. They do roast beef. So I should have worn my New York City socks, though, for um, this episode because it's the old New York episode. And it was a few episodes ago of A Star is Born that I went through all my socks. I have about 30 pairs with bunch of cool designs on them so if that sounds really interesting to you go ahead and go on and listen to the first eight episodes of the stars porn <laughs> all right here we go so another random thing i talked about seeing brad williams in portland i saw him at portland uh helium helium portland comedy club and that was just a crazy show for me because I think, I don't know what it was if I didn't eat enough that day or my blood sugar was all out of whack or something. But I just, I actually fainted at that show and had the opening comedian 
the opener of the night, uh, Becky Bronstein, shout out a follower on Twitter at Becky from Alaska. She saved me. She, she brought me back to life. She, she woke me up. (laughs) I don't know what she did, but she, she shook me awake. And then that's all I can remember. I was in the, I went out to the lobby of helium to go to the bathroom and then I just fainted. And next thing I remember, the opening comedian was saving my life. So that was a fun little story there. And then I tweeted her and I tweeted her like a few weeks later and she offered uh, tickets to a free show, but I wasn't back in Portland. I was back home in Bothell. So didn't have a chance to go, but that was pretty nice of her. I thought so Becky Bronstein shout out. Um, Let's see, what else can we talk about here? I think now is a good time for me to say, holy cow, holy Toledo. Okay, kind of random. I was in Camino Island with my best friend, best friend from growing up, Stephen Ungrecht. Uh, speaking of Stephen Ungrecht, um, one, now sounds like a good time to talk about the AMC Triple Feature. Uh, this is a very famous event from 2009. And the goal is I want to talk about this every single podcast. So I'm doing it right now. Getting out of the way really, really early here. So in 2009, I went with Stephen Ungrecht, my best friend growing up. We went to AMC Woodenville, the movie theater that I would work at seven years later in 2016 from February to August of that year. So we went to year one, bought tickets to year one. The uh, Paul Rudd's in it, uh, but the stars are Michael Sarah and Jack Black. So that one's rated PG-13, so we could get in because we were only 16 at the time. So we weren't able to buy tickets to a rated R movie. Why does that matter? Because the next one we went to, we would go on to sneak into The Hangover, which was rated R. So right after year one, I guess the times lined up, like the show times lined up perfect enough that we went ahead and snuck into The Hangover. And that was a great movie. I don't think we realized it at the time that we were watching like a legendary movie, but we probably didn't appreciate it, appreciate that great art. But uh, yeah, and then after The Hangover, we went in and snuck into Land of the Lost. And if you don't remember Land of the Lost... That was a Will Ferrell vehicle, and it was completely terrible, I thought. Just an awful, awful movie. I think it was based on, like, a kid show from the 80s or something, maybe the 70s. Oh, man, maybe, I think it might have been a Sid and Marty Croft show. Don't know why I know that name, but I think it's because of Adam Carolla. But we went to Land of the Lost, and I think we actually missed the first few minutes of it, if I'm not mistaken, because the showtime must have lined up a little a little late on that but man did not like that movie um so don't go to land of loss but that was the infamous amc triple feature so so that's what that's what that was and and that that was one of the i don't know i still remember it so it must have left a mark on me somehow but speaking of steven ungerecht i want to talk about something kind of random we went up to Camino island I think it was the 4th of July. It must have been the 4th of July because we had fireworks. We had M80s. And I specifically remember throwing an M80, first lighting it, and then tossing it into the ocean. And I just looking back, that seems like not a good thing. Like, I wonder if... I don't know. I was just thinking about it. And 
I felt kind of bad about it for all the fishes. Like, I wonder if that hurt any fishes. Oh, man. <laughs> if you're a member of PETA, don't at me on, don't at me on the social, on the social meds. Uh, so, Stephen Ungerecht, 500 said he has a twin brother, uh, Chris Ungerecht. I think I mentioned that before. And Chris, um, <laughs> one of my biggest memories from him is we went to, a concert at the Tacoma Dome. Uh, Tacoma's about an hour south of Bothell, where I'm from. And we saw ACDC. So that was pretty awesome. Went there with the Ungrek family. Uh, Craig, the dad, um, he took us. And what was memorable about that was not the concert, but the ride home. What happened on the ride home? Oh, nothing really happened, but I just remember Chris saying that this he randomly said like i don't know why he said this but he said like any of these wires in this car could short circuit right now and this car could just blow up <laughs> and i just remember at that at that moment just being super f- just frightened just scared for my life so here's a quote from yoda there is no try there is only do that's a quote from yoda from star wars um, okay, another ungrecked related thing. We went to we went to their house back in this must have been 2006. Yeah, February 2006 when the Seahawks played the Steelers in the Super Bowl XL. Uh the 40th Super Bowl. So, that was the one where everyone blamed the refs. That's just all I remember is after watching it. Uh, we were just watching it in their kitchen. Their kitchen's kind of was connected to their living room, to their TV room in their old house, just down the hill from uh, from our house, um, right by right by Maywood. Um, I talked about it. I'll talk about it right now. Actually, let's put that Super Bowl story on hiatus and get into this Maywood recipes. I've been doing it. Sorry for the abrupt segue there. But I'm going to do a little recipe here. I've been doing it the past few episodes. Um, been reading my mom's recipes, but my mom only had three. What were They were the pork roast, the taco bake, and then the other one. Wherever the Oh, the, the summer piece, the sweet piece. And this one is from Debbie McAfee. And Debbie is, that's my friend Brian one of my best friends growing up, uh, that's his mom. So it's called Chocolate Lover's Paradise Brownies. Here we go. One box of brownie mix, three large five-ounce Hershey chocolate bars. Mix the brownies according to package directions. Prepare pan as directed. Spread one-half butter in pan, unwrap chocolate bars, and layer across 9 by 13 pan. Spread remaining one-half butter uh, brownie batter over chocolate bars. Bake as directed. Cool before cutting. Paradise. So, if if you like brownies, if you got a sweet tooth, uh, go ahead and make those. And Debbie's a real. She was a real good cook. Um. Yes, I was talking about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl XL Seahawks Steelers. And yes, I just remember everyone in that house. We were all just being such. So whiny, just a bunch of whiny Seattle people with our Starbucks coffee cups, just whining about the refs. Like, 
We did that for about a whole year over in Seattle. Oh my gosh. We must have been the, the sorest losers of all time in the Super Bowl. We just whined about the rest for a while. So that's all I remember from Super Bowl XL. Um, okay, here's still related on still going on that uh, Ungrek through line. <laughs> here's <laughs> this was a hilarious story looking back, but at the time, incredibly painful. So I must have been, <clears throat> excuse me, I was probably only maybe seven or eight, I don't know, just hanging out with the Ungrex in the forest behind their house. They used to live in Woodenville, and then they moved down the hill uh, by us. But yeah, they were over in Woodenville, and um, we were in the forest, and we were messing around in the trees, probably climbing trees. And I just remember falling on this tree with my legs spread wide and just falling just like right on my you know like just right in the crotch area and it was incredibly painful and <laughs> it's almost it's almost as bad as getting stuck on a chain link fence but probably not that bad but I just remember not being able to move and just being paralyzed in that moment just stuck on that tree just completely helpless oh my gosh that was a terrible moment but I also yelled at Steven. I think it was probably Steven and Chris with me at the time. I was just like, go get help. <laughs> I was super desperate. You know, just go, go get help. You know, like no, not laughing at all. Like everyone was very serious at the moment. <laughs> I was, I was scared. That was a bad moment for me. But that also reminds me of just getting attacked by bees, probably in the same forest. And how that used to be like a big deal, like back in the day at the time, like that was like the biggest thing that would happen to you like all month is that you would, you would get just mauled by like a bunch, a swarm of savage bees. So yeah, some good memories over there. I mean, I spent a lot of time just hanging out with the Ungrax growing up. So um, we we were pretty much, our whole families were good friends. I think, I think the origin of our parents must have met in like a daycare it must have been like a toddler class because i think the oldest tim he's a year younger than my my older brother nick i believe so any hoozles um here's a regular segment in the show it's the old simpsons episode of the week each episode i discuss a different simpsons episode that's somehow related to the star or the state this week's is the city of new york versus homer simpson so obviously the new york episode theme this is season nine episode one and the original air date is september 21st 1997 and this is a really this is honestly top 10 episodes all time simpsons for me this is one of the funniest episodes of Simpsons, and if you ever, if you just want to get to know Homer and get get a little more familiar with him, then just definitely watch this episode, and especially Angry Homer. Homer gets super mad in this episode, and it is very funny when Homer gets mad. So he, he drives his car when it has a boot on it, so it just like tears a hole in the in the metal around the tire. So that's a funny image. Um, let's go ahead and do something crazy here. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna go too far here. I'm just gonna read the first 
very first credit of Denzel Washington's IMDb. So here we go. The actual show, part of the show, the meat of the show right here, is 1977. Wow. I did not know that Denzel was acting way back in the 70s. So 1977, a TV movie called Wilma. He plays Robert Eldridge, age 18. For some reason, the whole character's name is Robert Eldridge, age 18. So here we go. Here's a completely random question. I just, a query I I wrote down. I was just wondering about earlier today. Maybe you guys know. Maybe you can fill me in on Twitter. If you want to find me, hit me on Twitter. Just another night on my own. Sit back as I light up the drum. Just another night alone. I spend another night alone. If you want to find me, hit me on Twitter. Yeah, that's Mac Miller. Mac Miller. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. I talked about my Red Robin story with Mac Miller. How my first day at Red Robin was the day after Mac Miller died. And the guy, the dude that had orientation with me at the same time, was a, he was a rapper as well and a big Mac Miller fan. So we talked for about 20 minutes before the manager came and met with us. We talked about our Mac Miller obsessions. So that was pretty fun. Uh, yeah. But the question I was going to ask that I've been teasing for too long, how do extendable leashes work? I, <laughs> I'm sure you've seen them. I'm sure you've seen them. They have the dog leashes, you know, not the kid leashes. That brings up a whole nother conversation. What's the deal with the parents who put a leash on their kid? Like what kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what are you teaching your kid? Excuse me. I think you, I just think you're passing down the wrong lessons by doing that. And that's just my humble, non having kids opinion. I mean, just I, when I'm a dad, I don't think all I got to say is it will be a sad day if I have a leash on my kid. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be happy if if I'm one of those dads that has a leash on his kid, then I'm I'm looking down at my future self right now, if that's the case. Because, like, come on, man, you can't, like, you can't wrangle your kids enough to, I mean, I maybe understand if you got, like, five of them. That'd be fine. I just imagined if you had, what if you had five kids and they're all on leashes and then and then they, they all get tangled up? Or if you, you're going for a walk and then you walk by another dad and he's got his kids on leashes and then, and then they get tangled up with, with each other. Okay. I think, you know, <laughs> that's fine. They see that's what, that's my kind of humor there. Uh, so how do extendable leashes work? Back to the question at hand. I really have no idea how these work because I've seen, I've seen them go to like 18 feet before. I've seen 20 foot, 20 foot extensions before on the leashes. They're like longer than extension cords. It seems super dangerous. Because do I? I mean, from my understanding, I would think the person is holding the leash, and they have the ability to press a button, and then it stops the leash from extending. That's just what my. I'm just brainstorming. I'm just spitballing here, but that's how I think it probably works. And if it works that way, what if the person is too slow, and then the dog just? I'm sure this has actually happened. Is super sad. 
But what if a dog was going out into traffic and then the person is too slow? Their reflexes aren't slow or aren't fast enough. They haven't been playing enough Fortnite. They haven't been up on their ping pong. It's just some unfortunate things could happen with those extendable leashes, I think. So I think those are... I think those are something that should not be taken lightly. Let's do something that is a regular segment. This is a staple in the show. This is a big part of the show. It's called the Mariners Update. The Seattle Mariners are a team I was a big fan of. Or why did I say it was? Why did I say past tense? I am a huge fan of the Mariners. I was wearing my Nelson Cruz number 23 Mariners jersey. Uh, used to be at the Mariners. Came, what team is he on now? The Twins? But yeah, I was wearing that earlier today during the Melissa McCarthy episode. But now I'm wearing my fuzzy my fuzzy red uh, fleece that I got from REI with my, with my gift card that I got for Christmas. But um, yeah, the Mariners update. Let's do it. They play the Cleveland Indians tomorrow at Goodyear Ballpark at 12.05 p.m. Uh, spring training down there in Arizona. So if you're in the Phoenix area, go ahead and check out the Mariners game at Goodyear Ballpark. I don't know which suburb that one's in. Maybe it's in Phoenix. Maybe it's in Peoria. That's where the Mariners play. They play in Peoria. Could be in Tempe. Could be Scottsdale. Okay. Could be... I don't know any other ones. Just want to thank you guys again for listening to the show. Um, Oh, yeah. This was something I was doing. So I was doing... I was considering making a pen name or possibly a stage name because Chris Arneson, Arneson's a, a word that most people are not familiar with. They've never heard it in their lives. And also Fred Armisen. He's, you know, Fred Armisen from Portlandia and SNL. Yeah, he kind of messed up our whole, the whole thing we had going over here with the, with the Arneson. Because, yeah, it, that confuses people even more. So they'll either think it's Anderson or Arneson. So I'm thinking maybe I'll go with a pen name. And here's a couple more. A couple from the past episodes. Some of my favorites. We've had Chris Floyd. We had uh, Chris Leaf. We had Chris Branch. We had uh, Chris Post is one I like. I like Chris Post. I like Chris... Here's a couple new ones. Chris Note, Chris Light, Chris Mack. So let me know if you like any of those. Maybe, okay, I like this. I was going to say maybe Chris Washington. <laughs> shout, shout out to Denzel. Um, but I like this. I like the one syllable on one syllable symmetry. Like, you know, Chris, one syllable, then Note. So Washington is kind of long. That kind of defeats the purpose of... What I was trying to do there. Um, just wanted to give a little discussion here and talk about this. Um, straws, socks, and mugs. So if you didn't know, I love knickknacks. I talked about it in a previous episode. I made a list of my favorite ones. I got a bunch of them. But some other little things I like. I like straws. I got a candy cane one from Starbucks. You know those long plastic straws. I'm not talking about the paper ones. Don't go crazy on me. I'm talking, I'm talking about the ones you you reuse and throw in the dishwasher. So yeah, we got the candy cane one, and we got a, 
uh, long green one, kind of just like a bright neon green, and then a long blue one. Those are all Starbucks um, plastic straws. And another thing I love, socks. I already talked about those. And mugs, coffee mugs. I talked about my Wisconsin one and my Canada one. Those are from the Starbucks mug collection. So yeah, those are just a few of my favorite things I wanted to just let you know. Um, Here's something we do every show. We talk about the NBA. We do an NBA update. So this episode's NBA update, I'm just going to talk about what do I think about big threes. So if you're not a big fan of basketball, if you don't know the NBA well, big threes kind of started with the 2008 Boston Celtics. They had... uh, Paul Pierce at first, and then they added Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. So they became the big three. And they also had a young Rajon Rondo. So they won one championship. And then the, the Miami Heat kind of took it to another level with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. And there's been a few other ones. Right now the Warriors are the biggest one. They got... Durant, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson, a proud Washington State Cougar alum. Um, and yeah, the Warriors also have Draymond Green and Boogie Cousins, so DeMarcus Cousins. So yeah, they're preloaded. But what do I think about Big Threes? I think that, honestly, I think Big Threes are kind of lame. I don't like teams like the Warriors. Like I don't like the idea of a super team. I think the talent should be more spread out across the league. It's more fun. It's more fun when each team has one really good player and then they just battle it out in the playoffs. But that's just my two cents. Uh, just from a fan's perspective, I definitely I think the big three just I don't like the powerhouse teams. I don't like the idea of one team being overloaded with talent. Just doesn't seem doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem it's kind of like how in women's uh, college basketball, how UConn will just dominate. But didn't, I think they didn't win the championship this year, if I'm not mistaken. Or last year. Can't remember. But yeah, UConn just dominates women's basketball. So that's kind of what the big three reminds me of. Um, something. So yeah, that's the NBA talk there. Maybe I'll re- revisit it in a little bit um, with the whole. New York Knicks debacle. Oh my gosh. Holy cow. Holy Toledo. But another fun little topic I wanted to breach is the pickleball versus racquetball debate. This is an age-old age-old discussion as uh plagued mankind for many centuries. Which is better, pickleball or racquetball? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you how you could ever decide which one's better. Like, that's not really a... That's kind of subjective, but... Pickleball is definitely more for the senior citizens. Um, I've seen them do it in 24-hour Bothell. Back when I was a member back there in the basketball court. I used to go in sometimes for, to play basketball, and half the court would be taken, taken up with a net and some old people playing pickleball. But they make it look very graceful, so... It's definitely something I might consider in the future. And as for racquetball, I don't know about racquetball. It seems kind of dangerous. Uh, I don't know if 
eyewear is required? Are goggles re- required as part of racquetball? Hmm. Seems like they should be. Seems like you could take a ball to the eye real easy. Um, I don't know. I I think the rules seem super confusing to racquetball. Like pickleball is more like cut and dry. It seems like more like ping pong or tennis. Just hit the ball back on the other side. But I have no idea how racquetball works. So there's probably some lines on the ground that mean something. Um, Some cities I want to live in. Here's something. So New York City is definitely one of the cities I would love to live in someday. That's for darn sure. I don't know what borough. Probably Brooklyn. Brooklyn seems pretty cool. Manhattan, I've heard. Obviously way too expensive. Um... Yeah, some other cities I'd love to live in. Here we go. Austin. Austin, Texas. Uh, A little too hot for my liking. But it's a cool, like, I don't know. It's like a slice of Portland in the middle of of Texas or something. Like, there's music. There's comedy. There's, I don't know. It seems like there's festivals. It seems like a very cool little town. But I just don't know if I could ever get used to that. That heat, that heat seems oppressive. And speaking of Portland, Portland's on the list. So I'd love to live in Portland. Got a few friends there right now. If you're listening to this, shout out. And you know who you are. And <laughs> Los Angeles, for sure. I've talked about it. Really want to go there. Really want to move there soon. It's where the the entertainment industry is. Um, I want to write. I want to be a... TV writer, so gotta go to LA. And another city on the list, Chicago. Chicago, the windy city, talked about last episode in the Melissa McCarthy episode. Um, yeah, went to Chicago in 2007 on the old Midwest baseball trip with my cousin Matt and my grandma, Grandma Doreen, and my dad's mom. And yeah, that was Chicago, I found to be a very cool city. I really liked it. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Say that five times quick. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. Yeah, that's my favorite movie, though. (laughs) And I've talked about it. So here we go. I also want to say Real World Brooklyn. Just say um, I used to love the real world. That was one of my favorite shows. Just like Jersey Shore. I really like Jersey Shore. But before that, there was The Real World. And The Real World Brooklyn was a great episode. It, or not episode. It was a great season of the show. So some of the other good seasons, just off the top of my head, New Orleans was good. Um, Knight passed away from that season. So he was a hockey player from Wisconsin. So that's too bad. Rest in peace, Knight. Um, what other good ones were there that I watched? I watched New Orleans, I watched Brooklyn, and yeah, that's kind of disappointing. I can't even think of any others, so I'm just going to keep on moving. Um, let's see, what else we got here? We got, oh yes, I was going to talk about this. I actually teased this last episode. So, it's a football catch, um, that I played with my dad in Horse Heaven Vista Rest Area. Yes, it's the old rest area story. Boom, boom, boom. Hit that buzzer. (laughs) Yeah, I played catch with my dad, and I think that was on our way. If I'm not mistaken, 
it was on her way to the Shins concert in 2012 that, that was in Bend, Oregon. Talked a lot about that. And this is significant, well, because for many reasons. First, it was near Prosser, Prosser, Washington. And that's where Kellen Moore is from. Kellen Moore played quarterback for the Boise State Broncos. And he played for the Cowboys and I don't know about any other NFL teams. But he was he was a big deal. I think he was actually at Boise State at this time. So he was like a pretty big name at the time. So yeah, and I just remember just running like fly routes and probably sl- deep slants. Just catching bombs for my dad. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do at the Horsehead, um, or not Horsehead, the Horse Heaven, the Horse Heaven Vista. What a crazy name, Horse Heaven. That sounds like a fun. That would definitely be a fun movie, or maybe maybe a children's book, maybe a movie. Secretarius there. Um, all the all the famous horses are there. The the carriage. You got some carriages there. Ah, that's great. <laughs> I gotta write that down. <clears throat> I might have to write that. Um, so let's see what else is on the old yellow legal pad right here. We got um, Madison Square Garden, uh, East Coast. I just wanted to give a little shout to them, I guess, because yes, I may may maybe I didn't mention this, but I actually got the chance to drive by Madison Square Garden, and that was incredibly cool. It's kind of a legendary place. Um, it's where like Bill Burr will play or apparently like Sebastian Mascalco sold out four shows there. That's like a story that's told on Joe Rogan a lot, <laughs> but I'm, I don't know. Sebastian was just on Joe Rogan. It's like, he's okay. He's okay. But I don't know. I don't know about four shows at Madison Square Garden worthy, but I'm wearing my Old Spice Swagger deodorant right now. It's got, just opened it today. Um, that begs the question. I don't, have I discussed this? I don't think I have. No, I don't think I have. Which deodorant do I like better? The gel or the, the white stuff? I honestly like the gel better. But I have found that I go through the gel quicker. So it's not as efficient or effective. But because like with the gel deodorant, you just... You'll turn the handle and you'll turn it and then a bunch of it will just go up and then you put it on and all of it goes on your underarms. So that's what, at least from my stories, from my struggles with it, that's what's happened with me. All right, here's a random question. What animal would I be? Hmm, that's a fun one. So I think I might be something that flies. I think I'd be like a hawk, maybe like a giant hawk. Or maybe a bald eagle. Something that flies. Something that's huge. Um, yeah. I think that, that'd be pretty cool to fly. What random pet would I have? Um, the first one that came to mind for some reason. I don't even really know what it looks like. But a salamander. Why Why would I want that? I don't know. But I want to have a salamander. Like what's it? Is it like a giant lizard? Is it... Like a Komodo dragon or something. Um, I don't know how I would keep it. I don't know if I would have the right environment, the right habitat for it. Uh, probably too dry of a habitat. Um, yeah, salamander. Maybe a koala. 
um, maybe, a, oh, I really like those sugar gliders. That's actually something that I could get because it's so small. Man, if you don't know what a sugar glider is, <clears throat> go ahead and Google sugar glider and prepare to have your mind blown because those are so, there's these cute, tiny, little, fuzzy, I don't know, they're kind of like gremlins, I think. But So if you think you want a gremlin, maybe invest in the sugar glider stock. Um, another question, would I be good on Survivor? You know, <clears throat> the TV show Survivor? been on for many years i think it's still on tv actually probably started in like the year 2000 but would i be a good contestant um if you don't know it it's pretty much like 39 days i think just usually on a tropical deserted island maybe and just like 20 maybe 18 contestants and they're all they're all vying for the final position so you're trying to make the top three and the, each week they vote a different person out. So you vote someone out. You have a challenge. So there's, a, there's like a physical challenge. Um, they're divided into two tribes at the beginning. And the tribes compete against each other in the challenge. And then the losing tribe has to go to tribal council. And at tribal council, they vote, they vote out a member of their team. So that's how it works. And then eventually they do a merger. That's <clears throat> super exciting. Um, that's when the two tribes merge together and make one super tribe. And then, yeah, you eventually make it to the final three. And then once you're at the final three, or maybe they do final two. I don't know if they do two or three. But then, <clears throat> what's it called? What's the group of people called? Uh, tribal council. The, not the alliance. They have alliances. I can't remember. There's a group of people that are the people who get voted out recently. So it's about eight of them. It's not everyone from the beginning, but it's about eight people in the end. And they're the people, they're like the jury. They're the deciders of who wins the game of Survivor. So yeah, they vote on the final top two or top three. And that's how Survivor works. So would I be good at it? Um, A huge part of it is strategy making alliances with people, being, not about friendly, but sometimes they stab each other in the back. Sometimes they're cutthroat. Oh, no, man. Also, excuse me, I'm not great at uh, puzzles, and they do puzzles a lot on the tribal, or on the challenges. Like, I think I'd be good at, like, the physical part, but not, not the puzzle part. Like, those are... Like, they'll have to, like, design a sundial or something, and it's just something super confusing. Like, it's like like a Rubik's Cube, basically. <laughs> like, that's that's the kind of stuff they have to do. But there's lots of nets, too. Like, lots of, like, climbing up nets, and then some <clears throat> at the end. The final challenge is always an endurance challenge. So it's, like, balance this bowl of rice on your head for whoever can do it the longest wins, or, like, stand on this on this log in the middle of a body of water or like lay on your belly on top of this rock or something. But it's just all, any endurance is the last one. So would I be good at survivor? I think, I don't know if I could make it. I don't know. I'm going to say, I think I should have confidence in myself. I'm going to say, yeah, I could make it. I think the toughest part would be getting people to like you while also voting them out. 
and just and making it look like you're not stabbing them in the back, making it look like you're doing the right thing. I don't know. It's, it's a game of it's a game of chance, I guess. It's tough. So here's another question: What MTV show would would I be? Would be mine? So what would my MTV show be? Hmm. Last week I talked about not last week even earlier today. I just like to divide because lots of podcasts I listen to are weekly, so they'll be like last week. So that's just how I think. But I did Travel Channel last one. Um, I talked about my Travel Channel show, and this one is MTV. So, hmm, MTV. I think it's definitely going to be party-related. Um, I think it's definitely going to be tropical. So it's going to be in Hawaii, <clears throat> and it's going to be called Lou Al Cinder. <laughs> there we go. We did it. We made it home safe. The umpire is just like safe. So yeah, Lou Alcinder. If you don't get that, uh, I guess I'll explain it because I'm not doing anything else. So I just combined. <laughs> oh man, I cracked myself up. I think that's all that really matters. Lou Al and then Lou Alcinder, which is Kareem Abdul Jabbar's real name. If you don't know Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Uh, look him up. He's in Airplane, I think. And he's also the leading scorer in the history of the NBA. Lou Al Cinder. That sounds like a t-shirt. Like, that'd be just a t-shirt of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like, wearing a, a lay and, like, doing, like, a hula hoop. I think I just made my first merch. If someone wants to dev- <laughs> to make that t-shirt for me... Uh, for the podcast, I would really, I would be down. I'd be down. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me on Twitter. So yeah, my MTV show, Luau Cinder. And I'm just going to be in Hawaii. And I'll be, oh, here we go. I'll be doing, I'll be teaching people how to become bartenders. So yeah, that's the show. I'm in Hawaii teaching people how to become bartenders. And it's pretty much kind of like a, a hex kitchen. Remember, we're not. This gonna be a no swearing podcast, so you know the show I'm talking about, uh, Gordon Ramsay show. Um, hex kitchen. <laughs> it's weird. Why would a a part of this? Because there's a part of New York City of Manhattan that's called Hex Kitchen, or it's actually called the real the swear word. But why would that be? How could there be a swear word in in the name of a city? <laughs> That's see that is just blasphemy. That is, is that's just a slap in the face to the Christian community, to the to any religious people. Um, that's that's just rude. Uh, I do not appreciate that. Um, speaking on behalf of all religions. All right. So where was I? Yes, it's a Luau Cinder. It's a bartender Hawaiian bartender competition show. Um, maybe they'll actually have some Survivor style um, challenges. Um, where, yeah, you make drinks, um, there's a guy and uh, he's just yelling at you. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be the host and I'll, I'll play the Gordon Ramsay role and I'll just be yelling at the guys, at all the, at the guys and ladies, all the guy and lady bartenders. So if you want to watch, <laughs> if you want to watch me yell at a bunch of people in the tropical paradise while they try to become bartenders, a super stressful job, it seems like, um, Check out Luau Cinder. Uh, another thing I want to address here. 
Um, bumper cars. What's the deal with bumper cars? I think they're teaching bad driving habits. I never thought about that till just now, but it seems to make sense to me. Like, because from what I can tell, you don't have to be what you can drive a bumper car when you're like nine years old or something. Like, you can be a kid, excuse me, driving a bumper car. So, pretty much your only experience driving till the point where you actually learn how to drive, you're just ramming into people. <laughs> what? I never thought of that, but that's actually pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Why do we teach why do we teach kids to ram to ram cars into each other? Um, they don't know the difference between real driving and bumper cars. I also I love just the image. I think this is from maybe a Simpsons episode, actually, or some other cartoon. I don't think it's a real-life thing, but I just love the image of a bumper car that has escaped the tracks, the confines of the bumper car arena. It's a beautiful image to me, Um, and I like the idea of the bumper car being able to still drive um, just on the street. It's just very, very humorous to me. I don't know. I don't know why, but... That would just, just be funny to me if you could drive a bumper car to work. What, what, if, what if you just drove, I don't know, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but would there be a special parking lot? Or would you have a special like parking space that just has a symbol? Oh my goodness, so many questions, so little time to answer all of them. But we're right here and we're doing it. And since I said bumper cars, I might as well say carnivals because that is the word association. You say bumper car, I say carnival. And what do I say about carnivals? I say it's always sunny. One of my favorite episodes of the show was based around a carnival. Can't remember the name of the episode, but if you just search "it's always sunny carnival," you'd find it. Um, I think they're. I think they're fun i think that one ride where i think i've talked about before actually you sit in the cage and it rotates like a ferris wheel and then the cage also spins around that's one of the most dangerous just absolutely ridiculous rides of all time like they're just trying to make people like lose their lunch and just puke on people who are below them and because you're just going to throw up and it's just going to either land you'll either spin around and it's going to land right in your face or it's going to land in someone below you or maybe the person right next to you but no matter what you're going to be it's a lose-lose situation whenever you ride that one and i don't even know what the name of that ride is but i'm sure i'm sure you know what i'm talking about Another crazy ride at the carnival is the no gravity um, dome, the thing that spins around super fast, and then there's no gravity, and you can just like lay with your body on the on the wall. That is just, oh my goodness! If you really think about that, sorry to get, I don't want to get too spacey on you with the no gravity stuff, but <laughs> sorry about the dad jokes, but. That seems very dangerous to me as well. Um, it seems like there could be like maybe choking hazards. There could be if you spit, then it's going to land on someone's face. If you throw up, it's going to land on someone's face. If they stop the ride real quick and you're laying on the wall, you're just going to fall on the ground. Wouldn't that hurt? Um, speaking of falling on the ground, 
I was talking to my roommate earlier. So he's from Hawaii, and he told me a funny story. It's not even funny. This is it's kind of sad, and it's kind of scary how real it is. But So someone made a mistake, an almost life-threatening mistake. So, so they have a, a ballistic a ballistic missile um, crisis like alert line over there in Hawaii and apparently someone pressed the wrong button over in the control center because everyone got sent a text message everyone in the state of Hawaii on all the islands was sent a text message that warned them that a ballistic missile was going to be sent at their islands <laughs> at Hawaii it's not even funny but this guy, he he accidentally pressed the button, and for some reason they didn't have a backup button that you could press that was that would tell everyone that the last message was a mistake to and to disregard it. So this guy was pretty much just left in in shambles. Probably he was probably crying or something, just left in a panic. But everyone on the island was freaking out, and they were they were trying to leave. My cousin, or not my cousin, my roommate said that there was a ton of traffic and that everyone was trying to find safety and get go to the mountains or something go to the hills go to the volcanoes but i just thought that was that sounded like the beginning of like a nicholas cage movie or something or like a maybe a denzel maybe it could be a denzel movie but that i almost couldn't believe how i don't know can you believe how crazy that story is and he also said, I can't remember exactly the story, but you guys might know this. So Bikini Atoll, Bikini Atoll, uh, I can't remember where it is, somewhere in the Pacific. But it was a place where we tested, the USA tested nuclear missiles um, before the before the bombing, the, the Japanese bombings, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Um... Yeah, we tested missiles at Bikini Atoll, and then it sent. So, so yeah, we test missiles there, and then it sends a bunch of stuff to the bottom of the of the ocean, and that is why SpongeBob is called Bikini Bottom. Does that not? Did you know that? Did I just blow your mind? Because that blew my mind when I heard it. Um, yeah, so there's a couple things we were talking about. And he's also telling me about um judo and he was saying that these people have the ability like they're falling they're about to like fall on, on their stomach or something and they have a, the ability to quickly spin around and somehow like because apparently in judo no what is it you're about to fall on your back and you have the ability to spin around and fall on your stomach because i didn't know what judo was but i guess you're just throwing people around <laughs> i guess this sport like it's like a real life professional wrestling, I suppose. You're just tossing people around and trying to get them to land on their back. So if they have the ability to spin real quick when they're about to land on their back, then they win. And I thought that was a really weird concept. That what a weird thing to practice. Like I'm about to land on my back, <laughs> just quick spin. Uh, painful thing to practice, I'm sure, as well. Um, Let's see, history of New York City. I'll have to get into that in a little bit. That's something I want to talk about. Uh, something else I want to talk about. Um, I did the Maywood recipe. I'll cross that off the list. Before we go any further, I'll go ahead and read a couple more 
Denzel credits. So here we go. Um, as you remember, the first one was 1977's TV movie Wilma. He played Robert Eldridge, age 18. TV movie from 1979, Flesh and Blood. He plays Kirk, age 33. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, he plays dad jokes, dad jokes. He plays Kirk, Captain Kirk. Uh, there's a video in 1979 called Corio and he plays a bunch of people. He plays a dial, Roman citizen, Volskian citizen, Roman soldier, and Volskian soldier. Don't know what Volskian means. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to give a little shout to one of my favorite shows of all time growing up. Love the show. How I Met Your Mother. Um, this is a New York City show, so there's that, there's that New York connection. But if you haven't seen the show, definitely watch it. It was it was on CBS. It was on what before Two and a Half Men. For those of you who remember when we used to watch shows when they were actually on TV. Oh my gosh, remember the days? Sound like old man Arneson over here. Remember, I remember the days when I watched How I Met Your Mother on CBS Thursday night, I think. Um, maybe Monday night actually. But yes, it's a great show. Check it out. Uh, it's it's a bunch of friends. Um, they meet at a bar, kind of like a modern day Seinfeld almost. Speaking of Seinfeld, uh, I wanted to discuss uh, Seinfeld Seinfeld versus Friends. I've talked about this before, uh, a few times on the podcast actually, and I said I like Friends more. But I just want to throw some throw some credit over to Seinfeld. Say. My favorite Seinfeld episode is probably, oh my gosh, it's got to be either the Bubble Boy or the, what's the one, the bet? Is that the one where they make the bet? The wager? You know which one I'm talking about. Uh, Those are two Seinfeld episodes. Um, Definitely check those out. Seinfeld's a legendary show. Uh, But I don't know, I said I liked Friends more. I said I like Friends because it gives me more of a cozy, kind of like hot cocoa on a snowy day, like in a cabin, bundling up with like a snuggy kind of feel. Um, I'm going to go ahead and search something here. And while I do that, I'm going to tell you about Dodger Stadium. Oh my goodness. I went there. 2009 was the year. I drove down with my dad, and we were going to Phoenix to meet up with my mom and my sister. They were there for my sister's volleyball tournament. And we actually took a tour of the Arizona Diamondbacks Stadium. So that was really cool. Got a chance to go in their locker room. So I got to see what a Major League Baseball locker room was like. That was pretty, pretty, pretty cool experience. I mean, that's pretty, pretty swanky in there. Um... I don't know. They had a pool. We got to see the pool in the outfield over there. What a weird... Whose idea was that to put a pool in the outfield of a baseball stadium? Like, why didn't everyone just... What, do you think that person was a baseball fan? Or there was someone like a Michael Phelps character who's never, <laughs> never seen baseball? There's just someone who just always wants to bring it back to swimming. Maybe it's like a David Hasselhoff, like... like Baywatch, like Jersey Shore type of person 
who just want they just want to show off. Uh, let's watch, show off what they got. Um, let's see. But yeah, that's the Diamondback Stadium. They they're the only Major League Baseball stadium that has a pool in it. So if you think that's interesting, I think it's super interesting. I think it's super interesting. Um, Ruby Holler. Let's talk about that in a second. Let me. I'm actually distracted right now, and you know why I'm distracted? Because I'm real warm in my red fuzzy, my red fuzzy fleece. So I'm gonna go ahead and take a little break and uh, take my fleece off, and I'll see you in a second. Hey, hey, I'm back. How was the break? Did you Google the Diamondback Stadium? It's called Chase Field. If you wanna, I'm feeling a lot better now. A lot more uh, temperature, comfortable. Um, yeah, I, was, I don't know why it's so warm in my room. It's weird how it can be, like, freezing outside, but then it's just, like, too warm in here. It's weird. But anyway, I was, <clears throat> when I left you, I was talking about Dodger Stadium. And, yes, I drove down there in 2009 with my dad. That was when I, right when I got my license. I may, I may have not even, actually, I didn't even have my license yet. I just had my learner's permit. So I couldn't even drive by myself. But I pretty much drove the whole way down there because I had to get my hours in. Remember, we had to get a certain amount of hours for our learner's permit to get that license. So, yeah, I was driving down. And the funny thing that happened there was, for some reason, I kept touching my ear whenever I would change lanes. So it sort of became like a weird, like, I don't know, like weird OCD thing or something. But my dad said something. He was like... Why do you keep touching your ear when you're changing lanes? And then I was like, I, I don't know why I'm touching my ear when I'm changing lanes. I don't know. And that's, I think I may have stopped after that. It's weird. Once, once he addressed it, once I knew I was doing it, that's when I was able to stop. And I thought that was kind of interesting because maybe I would have, maybe today I'd still be touching my ear whenever I change lanes, if it weren't for my dad, so, thanks dad, if you're listening, thank you for telling me to stop touching my ear there, um, oh yes, here's something, uh, if you remember, I talked about peeing in a extra large Taco Bell soda cup last episode, it's more pee related news here, um, <laughs> there was a giant, just, I, all I can describe it is just a trough, and it was, it was horrific. It was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, in in the state in the bathroom in the stadium. That's just all I all I have to say is, don't don't go to the bathrooms at Dodger Stadium because <laughs> there's just all there is is just a giant trough for urine. So that's that. Uh, speaking of pee, I peed in my friend's fridge. What? I just let the cat out of the bag. I just spoiled the story. Um, yeah, it was at Cornell. Um, as I talked about, I went to Cornell with my buddy Brett. We visited Brian, uh, Brian McPhee. I read his mom's recipe earlier, her uh, Paradise Brownies recipe. Yes, we went to Cornell. And Cornell, uh, Andy Bernard went there um, of the office fame. Who else? Stephen Colbert went there. Lots of lots of big names went to Cornell. Uh, it's beautiful up upstate New York. Man, what a what a beautiful beautiful.
beautiful place. And I'm going to be completely honest here because honesty is the theme of the podcast. And I did not even think of this connection. I didn't even think of the Cornell connection to the New York theme of the podcast. I was just, this was just a story that I wanted to tell y'all. But that's pretty funny um, that I didn't even realize that. But yes, Cornell is a beautiful Ivy League school. Definitely Google it. Um, Look at the pictures of their campus. Imagine going there. Imagine attending and being an alum. Or go there if you're smart enough. Um, More power to you. Go to Cornell. Uh, The Big Red is their mascot. So upstate New York is a great place. So um, seems seems pretty beautiful. But also in upstate New York, we flew into Syracuse. And I just remember Syracuse looking like it was from... Like another time period, like maybe like, maybe even another like century altogether. And I don't mean the 1900s. I mean, it looked like it was from the 1800s. Like there was like steam. There was a bunch of steam coming out of the buildings and it was industrial and I don't know how else to describe it other than another time period. I I was flabbergasted. We just drove by on the freeway, but... It was quite the sight to see. Um, and that brings us to the headline, to the uh, meat of the story, to the what y'all came for. I peed in my friend Brian's fridge. You're probably asking me, Chris, what do you mean you peed in your friend's Brian fridge? And my answer is, yeah, I peed in my friend Brian's fridge. That's what happened. I don't know how else to say it. Um, he was in the apartment. He just had moved in. He just... That week, basically, moved into his new apartment. Oh my gosh, that makes that makes it all the cruel, all the more crueler. But um, yep, the old apartment above the shoe shop. Uh, what I liked about that one was I like the brick. Like there's a ton of just really cool brick like around his building and in his interior of his building, if I'm remembering correctly. And I like that look. It's kind of like a cool... It looks. It does remind me of Friends. Like we were talking about Friends earlier. And if I'm not mistaken, they definitely have brick in their apartments. And inside their apartments. And I like that. It's a cool... My friend... My other friend, Brian, also, he's in Portland. A different Brian. Because that's weird. Because that's weird. <laughs> Both these Brians live in Portland right now. So, <clears throat> Brian McAfee and Cargill. Um... But yeah, Cargo has uh, some brick in his apartment too, so that's pretty cool. Shout out Brian. Um, both brands. So yeah, I peed in the fridge. And you're probably saying, why would you do that? Um, I'm saying, I was actually literally sleepwalking. Now, I don't like it when people use the literally word lightly. Um, I don't think you should, it's a word that you should throw around. Um but yeah, I, I was actually sleepwalking. Um, reminds me of Sleepwalk With Me, Mike Birbiglia. Uh, check out the movie Sleepwalk With Me. It's super good. It's on Netflix. So go ahead and add Sleepwalk With Me to the old Netflix queue. Um, it's a really great movie. Um, he's a comedian, stand-up comedian. I think he's actually based in New York City as well. So there we go. But yeah... I was sleepwalking, and yeah, oh yeah, I also wanted to say one more thing about sleepwalk with me, 
is he he was actually in Walla Walla, Washington when the main event of that story happened. He actually sleptwalked out of a two-story hotel room off the balcony, and that was in Walla Walla. Walla Walla is the place where they have a bunch of grapes, and I think they make wine there. Um, don't know what else they do there. Haven't been for a long time. But yeah, that's southeast Washington. That's probably not. That's probably no more than a hundred miles from where I'm sitting right now. And yeah, it's um, yeah. What was I just saying? But um, <laughs> I'm losing it over here. I'm losing it over here in this in this little this little. Cool little, cool little apartment. Oh, looking out the window. I don't know why I just became Adam Sandler all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. So I peed in Brian's fridge. Why would I do that? I was sleepwalking. That's what I was talking about. I was talking about Walla Walla. Mike Briglia was sleepwalking out of a two-story window. That's insane. And then the, the snapper, the snapper of the whole story, the button, the cherry on top. Now, he wears oven mitts, and he sleeps in a sleeping bag that's zipped up all the way. So he he can't he can't unzip it because he's wearing oven mitts. So that's how that's what his cure to sleepwalking was. So if you're having a problem with sleepwalking, get a sleeping bag, get a pair of oven mitts, and you're set. There you go. And another funny thing about me urinating in my friend's fridge is that I did it, I did it, like, how else, it, how else do I describe this? I, I did it lady style, sitting down. So picture that. I was facing outwards, probably looking at the oven. <laughs> I don't, probably not even looking at anything. I, I was asleep. I don't remember a thing about it. But it was the middle of the night, um... No, I sound like I'm trying to defend. I sound like a like I'm on the witness stand right now. I'm defending myself. No, but it was the middle of the night. I was asleep. I swear. <laughs> oh my gosh! I thanks praise Brian for not like getting super mad at me. Like he didn't even get angry at all. Like I think I helped him clean it up in the morning. But I think oh my gosh! I think his mom must have found out about it because I have this memory of. Just like holding a paper, just a stack full of paper towels, you know, a full roll of them. And his mom being there, so she was probably wondering, why are you cleaning out? Oh, yes, because we were cleaning out the, oh, this is just absolutely disgusting. We were cleaning out the meat containers, you know, and the vegetable containers in the bottom of the fridge. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm the worst house guest of all time that's the cruelest thing i can't believe that me and brian are still friends <laughs> i can't believe that we're still friends after that that was he took that really well like he took really took it in stride and he just <laughs> i guess he took it with a grain of salt he took it with a grain of piss <laughs> no <laughs> okay um enough of that enough joking around enough messing around time to get serious here um <laughs> so so that was the fridge story. That's what we call the fridge story um over over here in Pullman. Um and I, I thought that was also funny because my second book's called you know what the title of my second book is is What's in the Fridge. So I just thought that was kind of is that ironic? Is that 
I never really knew what I never knew what the definition of the word ironic really was, but if that's ironic, then call me Mr. Ironic. Okay, speaking of Brian, we went senior year of high school. I went with him and Steven Stinky Pete, Steven Pearson, and Brett Hogue. I've talked about all these people. Um, we went senior year of high school. This was February to Seaside, Oregon. And if you're not from the Pacific Northwest, if you're wondering what's Seaside, I'll tell you, it's a little resort town on the coast, um, probably an hour west of Portland. So we drove down from Bothell. We uh, we didn't stay the night in Portland, but we definitely stopped there for a while. Spent spent a lot of time in Portland. Um, oh my God, listen to <laughs> listen to a homeless man tell us an anti-Semitic joke that I'm not even gonna. I don't have to repeat it, but. Uh, oh, the, the funniest part of the story. All right, I I have to tell you this because honesty is the theme of the podcast, and I was so flustered in the moment. So this <laughs> this homeless guy tells us this joke. Um, it's not that bad. I guess I'll have to tell it. So he says, um, "What's the what does the Jewish guy say at wait what what is it?" Oh yeah, here here it is. This is it. He says, "What does the Jewish guy say at the football game?" Get that quarterback. Okay, that's not. See, that's the joke that the. <laughs> that's the anti-Semitic joke that the. The homeless guy told me in Portland. And then the worst part about the whole story is that I was so flustered, and he must have had so much charm. He was such a nice guy, and this was my level of intelligence at the time is he was like after he told the joke he must have been like well i've earned i've earned my keep i've i've earned some i've earned some pay like you guys should be paying me some ambition for the show you just saw so he was like yeah you guys got any money and then before i knew it i was taking my wallet out and giving him ten dollars for some reason so yeah that's the button on that one gave the anti-semitic homeless guy ten dollars um so yeah we were in seaside uh we stopped in portland what else happened in portland oh yes on the drive from portland i can't really remember what else we did oh we probably we definitely went to voodoo donuts if you ever go to portland that's like the tourist thing to do so i'm sure you'll definitely go to voodoo donuts if you ever go there there's a bunch of locations uh i think we probably went to the downtown one um, we didn't go to a Trailblazers game. We must have just messed around, you know, because we were only 18. I was only 17, so we couldn't really do anything. Um, so, yeah, we were just messing around Portland. Then we drove. We didn't even stay the night. We just drove over to Seaside, and we had a good old-fashioned milk gallon full of orange juice mixed with vodka. So there's <laughs> that's that's the kind of you know, um, screwdriver. So we were passing around a milk gallon of screwdriver. Um, and yeah, that was, that's, that's kind of disgusting. If you think about it, it's probably some cheap vodka, um, probably some skull or what's another, um, I can't think of another cheap one, but when we were driving, we were driving from, um, Portland to seaside and I swear, I was sitting in the back seat, 
maybe I sipped a little bit too much of the screwdriver, but I think we all saw No, we all saw him. There was a gnome. We saw a gnome on the side of the road. Like a real, like, person. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. It's just like a real, basically like a real-life version of the Expedia gnome is what we witnessed. So, I don't know what what it was. He had a backpack. He had a coat. He had a beanie. Um, and it was, I think he was actually climbing up from, from like, the side of the road or something like there may have been some it may have been some sleet on coming down it may have been some snow on the side of the road and he was he was just climbing up there um don't know it was <laughs> don't know where he was coming from or what he was doing but it was pretty much the middle of nowhere from portland in between portland and seaside so that was pretty scary um but we were just driving uh <laughs> So that happened, and then we get to Seaside. We stay in our little, it's like a condo. It wasn't even a hotel. It's a condo about a couple blocks from the beach. Um, we all, I, th- I think it may have been myself, actually. <laughs> it's funny how the memory works, but I think it was me. Um, that threw up in the fridge. Not the fridge. I was just about to say, oh my gosh, I was going to say we threw up in the fridge. Or I threw up in the fridge. But there definitely was not a fridge in this condo. Maybe there was, but I threw up in the uh, bathtub, so it probably ruined the shower for everyone for that trip. But we we trashed that condo room for sure. Um, definitely remember the bathroom being a being a real big mess. And we also one more memory from <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else to say it. We just did not take good care of that. We probably didn't get our deposit back on that condo. If you put. Do you put deposits down? Um, ski ball. We played some ski ball in downtown Seaside. Downtown Seaside is pretty. Kind of reminds me of a sim. Maybe I'll. I'll have to talk about this Simpsons episode in, in a future uh, episode of A Star Is Born. But what is this one called? It's it's the one summer of four foot two. Uh, they go to a vacation home. I just love the idea. I just love the idea of having a vacation home and just taking like a couple weeks in the middle of the summer and going there. But yeah, that's what the that's what the Simpsons do, and it's pretty fun watching Bart and Lisa try to make new friends, like the cool kids. Um, yeah, like the beach kids, like the Green Day, <laughs> they're like Green Day kids, like kids who listen to Green Day. That's what I was trying to say there. Um, so here we go. What else was I gonna do? I've checked a lot of the things off my list. But another thing I wanted to talk about here, before we go any further in Denzel's uh, IMDb filmography, I mentioned it in an earlier episode of A Star is Born. It is Ruby Holler. This is a book from originally published March 26, 2002 by Sharon Creech. Uh, Ruby Holler is a low fantasy novel for children. Yeah, I was... Not even, I was about to turn nine. So that gives you an idea of, I was nine years old when I read this. Public, um, yep, yep. It features adolescent orphan twins who are trouble and an eccentric older couple who adopt them and take them back to live in magical Ruby Holler. Oh my gosh. See, I don't even remember the part of the book where. 
because Ruby Holler is like a little cottage in the forest. And I was talking about how I want to live. I either want to live in a cabin on a lake or a cottage in a forest. Hmm. Or maybe a high rise like in the city. Uh, those, are, those are some good options. Or maybe an apartment above a shoe shop <laughs> in Cornell. Um, no, I I like the idea of a cabin by a lake just because I want to have a boat for sure. I want to have a dock. I like the idea of having my own dock. That that sounds really cool. Um, having a water trampoline sounds awesome. I would, I'm going to go ahead and take, speaking of water, take a sip of my water right now. One second. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, yes. Water, um, trampoline. And I like the idea of being on water. Like, I live, we live near Lake Washington in Bothell, and I would always go swim at Denny Park in Kirkland. And I love be- living near a lake. So I would like to have a lake, like, actually literally on the water. Like, on it. Um, or on the shore, at least. And cottage in the woods would be cool because I like the idea of like living amongst the animals, but not necessarily living with them. Sounds kind of cool. Um, because <laughs> yeah, you know, you won't be sharing like breakfast with the bear, but you want to look at him outside your window while you're eating breakfast. So you know, while you're making bacon and making bacon, looking at bears, and that's the life of living in the cottage. <laughs> that's what I imagine Ruby Holler to be like. You're just making breakfast, just eating breakfast all day. And just watching woodland creatures just play games and all that stuff. Um, I don't know. It seems like, yeah, I guess the reason why it did seem like a magical place is because I guess it was a magical place in the book. I did not even remember that. That's an interesting turn. Um, And the third one I said I'd like to live in, a high rise. Oh, my goodness. A high rise in the city. New York City, maybe. Um, How many high rises... Not high rise is Los Angeles. Not a not really a high rise town, but maybe New York City or Chicago would have them. And it just seems cool to me. I would live on the top floor, the very top floor, and just have a maybe like a loft or something. I don't know what necessarily defines a loft, but I would have one, and it'd be awesome. Uh, it definitely have brick in it uh, in the interior, and I would I would like that. Um, I like the idea of having a doorman, like at my apartment. That sounds cool. Or a doorwoman, and <laughs> no, anyone can be a doorman. And yeah, um, I don't know. That's sad. I don't know. Having a vending machine in my apart- apartment building sounds cool. Having a indoor mail sounds nice. And yeah, yeah. That's why I want to live in a high rise. I don't know. Get off my back. <laughs> Come be my window. I think that's what that song was from last. Come to my window. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy your love. If I had a million dollars, we wouldn't have to walk to the store. If I had a million dollars, we'd take a limousine cause it costs more. If I had a million dollars, 
We wouldn't have to eat craft dinner, but we would eat craft dinner. We just eat more. Okay, back to the show. New Year's Eve, New York City. Oh my gosh, that's what I wrote down. What would New Year's Eve in New York City be like? It would be magical. It'd be like Ruby Holler. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, definitely would want to be on TV. Uh, what does Dick Clark? Is he still around? Doesn't Seacrest? Does oh, I think Seacrest actually hosts Dick Clark's show now. Uh, Dick Clark may have passed. Um, don't know. Could Google it. Too lazy to Google it right now. Oh, let's see. So yeah, I don't know what would make New Year's Eve so great in New York City, but maybe it's just the idea of it. Maybe it's that movie, New Year's Eve. Isn't that one set in New York City? That movie has... That one has everyone in it. That is the modern modern JFK. Um, yeah, that's what that's what people do on Douglas movies when when you don't know when you have no idea who the what the movie is, you throw out JFK because it has a lot of actors in it. So I'm saying New Year's Eve is the modern day JFK. And something I wanna do that I guess I have to Google it, so this is gonna take some work here. So I'm going to talk while I do it. Um, wow, I'm just crossing out all sorts of these things. Something I wanted to mention was AIM. <clears throat> Excuse me. Remember AIM? Oh my goodness. What was your AIM screen name? Mine was, guess what it was? Clean Shorts 22 with a Z. So, uh, spells shorts with a Z on the end and 22. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Aim was a, that was where I got my first, wow, I guess you could say I had, I guess you could say I got my first girlfriend ever from Aim. Her name was Ariana Vitago. Um, if you're listening to this, Ariana, sorry, but... (laughs) This is this is what I'm, I'm going to explain this right now. Um, I believe Greg, I think I've definitely mentioned Greg Williams in previous episodes, if I haven't. He was one of my best friends growing up. Uh, I actually want to give a shout out to um, Urban Float. I think, yes, that's the name of, or is it Float Seattle? It's one of those. No, it's Urban Float. <laughs> See, now I can't remember. He he works at one of these places, a sensory deprivation uh, float place. He works at one in Bellevue. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Float Seattle. Um, I think that's what it's called, actually. So uh, disregard Urban Float, but yeah, I he hooked me up with a little membership there, and I went there about seven times, and that was in September and October. Um, actually, it's just all in September of 2018. So that's really fun. Um, just going in. Oh my goodness! If you'd never, if you never spend an hour just laying in a sensory deprivation tank, then you're missing out because that is quite the. It's quite crazy. Um, you kind of you kind of freak out at first. Um, it's weird not being able to see anything. You have earplugs in, so you can't really hear very well. You're laying on your back, and you got your arms spread out, full spread eagle. Speaking of spread eagle, if you want, join me and stretch. Go ahead and stretch your back out. Oh, that feels good. Okay. 
Anyway, excuse me. Um, so yeah, you're laying in the sensory deprivation tank. Excuse me. And you're just going ham on it, and you're thinking about your life, thinking about what you want to accomplish, your goals, what you've done so far, reflecting on every event that's ever happened to you up to that very moment. And it's pretty crazy. You have to kind of prepare yourself for it mentally, I think. I think it's smart to just don't go into it blindly, I would say. I would say go into it with an idea of what you want to accomplish when you're in there. Um, what your goal is for for the session like like if you have a problem that you've been dealing with or something or some sort of issue maybe some like a friend's having a problem or something like something that's on your mind go into the sensory deprivation tank and just tell yourself that you're going to think about it and you're going to hash it over and you're going to come out on the other side and you're going to be on the other side of that wall and speaking of on the other side of the wall that reminds me of one of my favorite absolutely favorite sayings of all time is throw your hat on the other side of the wall i just love this saying because i don't know just the visual of someone throwing a hat on the other side of the wall is funny um like why would you (laughs) i mean obviously why would you do it it's because you have to climb it's the whole metaphor and so you have to climb the wall throw your hat on the other side so then you have to do something it's make yourself commit to something um, find a way to, to make yourself commit to something. Um, but yeah, it's just the idea of someone throwing like a nice, like new era fitted hat over a brick wall. It's just, I don't know. Something that just pinches me, delights me. Um, here we go. I already read that. I'm, I'm holding right now the truth about writing. A writer, I think is someone who pays attention to the world Susan Sontag said that. This is just a book of quotes. I've been reading these intermittently throughout the podcast. Remember, rewriting is redemption. William Least Heat Moon. William Least Heat Moon also wrote the foreword of this book. If a nation loses its storytellers, it loses its childhood. Peter Handke. If one is lucky, a solitary fancy can totally transform one million realities. That's what I liked about writing is like when I first got into it, the thing I most liked about it was really the idea that I could, it sounds weird, but some like weird, like elf on the shelf stuff, but the idea that I could live on someone's shelf, like through a book and it sounds really weird, but that's how my mind works, I guess is, I don't know. It's just a way for me to, to really get my voice out there and represent who I am as a person and just be a part of be a part of like friends and family and anyone who buys my book it's basically just giving them a slice of my mind basically just did surgery and just took a piece of my brain out and just threw it down on a bunch of pages and then you guys can find them on amazon and kindle and barnes and noble and speaking of plugs i also want to mention that on my blog my blog the go to one.blogspot.com I have a ton of haikus on there. So if you like the poetry stuff, if you like the haikus, definitely go check that out. Um, let's see. I heard someone, some writer say that his father was a truck driver. And you know, you know what? Never in his life did, his, did that man get truck driver's block. Don't know if I read that one. Barnaby Conrad. 
Um, all my best. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's enough of that book. Um, another book that I really love is Life's Little Instruction Book. I've been peeking at this, so let me just read you a couple. Never hire someone you wouldn't invite home to dinner. This is by H. Jackson Brown, and it's it's an old book, so. So remember that. Remember the old proverb, out of debt, out of danger. Don't allow your dog to bark and disturb the neighbors. I really like that one. Oh my goodness. There was this one night, like, it was about like a month ago, and this dog was barking, barking, barking. My, not my dogs. My dogs weren't barking. There was this dog barking all night. I was literally up at... 3 a.m., probably probably for the rest of the night. And I was just wondering, what's going on? Like, is that a stray dog, or does that dog have an owner? Because if you're the owner of that dog, then I think you should be put in a kennel. <laughs> That's my humble opinion. And I guess a kennel. That's just like a prison. That's like, that's what that is. Like, it's a dog prison. Um, But, yeah, if you're the owner of that dog... and how could you let that happen is what I'm saying. Like, why would you not bring the dog inside? The dog was obviously outside. It was probably freezing. It must have been like 15 degrees or something. I'm not saying dogs can't handle the cold, but I'm saying that um, I'm saying that, that dog should have been brought inside, should have been dealt with. Maybe, maybe someone could have called the dog whisperer, the Pullman dog whisperer. <laughs> just some like weird dude with a beard and like a Mexican poncho. Just, hey man, I'm the Pullman dog whisperer. Okay, <laughs> having we're having fun over here. We're having fun over here in the the old apartment. Um, just looking out my window, and I can see the Chevron Chevron logo down the um, down the old street. I don't go to Chevron because their prices are always more expensive. I mean, I think people use them because. They have some sort of reward card system or something, but I usually find myself going to, I'll either go to Costco if my mom or dad are around, because then I'll just use their card, because I don't have a Costco card myself, because you have to pay for that stuff. What is that, like $70 a year or something? Or I'll go to Arco, and Arco's always cheap, so if you don't go to, if you don't have Arco in your town, then you're, uh, now, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just plugging Arco. Arco, if you want to spot, sponsor the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at Chris the Author Eight or Instagram Chris Arneson Eight. Um, what else do I have on tap here? So, made up movie, holy, holy Toledo. Let's do a made up movie before we do any. Actually, before we do that made up movie, I'm gonna go ahead and read you what I was teasing there. So I pulled it up, and it's the the famous Gettysburg speech from Remember the Titans. So Denzel gives the team the speech when they're at a uh, football camp. They're jogging in the fog in Gettysburg. And gosh, Remember the Titans is one of my favorite movies, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. So here's the speech. Anybody know where this place, what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000. Whoops, my phone timed out. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. 
this green field right here was painted red, bubbling with blood of young boys, smoke and hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, men. You listen, and you take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together, right now, on this hallowed ground, we too will be destroyed, just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. That was Denzel. The speech he gave to the team, so motivational. Oh my gosh. This was maybe the peak of that movie. Um, if you haven't, oh my gosh. Remember the Titans is an amazing football movie. Probably, if I'm going to be completely honest, my favorite football movie of all time, Remember Titans. We'll talk about it in a little bit. First, I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to do a made-up movie. And Denzel will be a crossing guard. Denzel is a... Have I, have I done the crossing guard movie? I don't think I have. <laughs> trying to remember the made-up movies. No, I haven't done a crossing guard movie. He's a crossing guard who also teaches improv, and it's called, yes, <laughs> it's called <laughs> Yield And, there we go, Yield And, we made it home, he's a, uh, sorry if I'm just kind of saying the jobs, but <laughs> we need to plot, we need to plot, we, come on Chris, we need a plot, he's a crossing guard who teaches an improv school that wins an award for Best improv school in the world, <laughs> given out by the infamous Improv Association of America. But yeah, they win an award, and then he has to go to uh, Orlando for some reason. And when he goes to Orlando, um, he gets ambushed by a bunch of stand-up comedians who don't respect the art of improv. So yeah, they they um they come after him for um for the, for what he did to stand up. They think that he's trying to take down stand up with his improv. So there we go. That develops in plot. That's what I call yield and. All right, made up movie. Check it off a list there on the old yellow legal pad. We are motoring. We are motoring. Motoring on along. And let's just keep going here. Let's keep chugging. Carbon Copy, 1981. Roger Porter, he plays. He's in a TV movie in 1984 called License to Kill. He plays Martin Sawyer. Also 1984. A Soldier's Story, he plays Private First Class Peterson. Um, let's see if I have anything special planned for you guys. I guess we still got that... We still got the history of New York City thing, so I'm going to go ahead and bring that up. And while I bring that up, I'm going to talk to you guys about Bono. What do I think about Bono? I think the whole one name thing is kind of played out. I don't know. How do you how do you become a person who's known by one name? <laughs> like how did Oprah do it? There's Cher, there's Madonna, there's Bono. There's I guess you could throw Obama. I don't know. The president is kind of their own category. But oh yeah, history of New York City. They got a whole tab right here on Google for it. There we go. 
But if you make it into that one name class, then I don't know, man. <laughs> Something. What What is it? What is it about about those people that make the separates them? That's That's really what I want to know because there's she used to be Oprah Winfrey, and then one day she became Oprah. And I like, did she just wake up one morning and just be like, <laughs> "Today I'm Oprah," and then the rest of her life she's like. I will forever be known as Oprah. Because I just kind of want to know how that worked. Um, Like, who decided it? Did she decide? Is it something that the person decides? Or is it something that society decides? Like, Or is it something you're anointed? Are you anointed it? Or do you anoint yourself? Like, that's the real question. Did Bono tell people? Was he handing out cards like how Kevin Hart used to hand out? business cards with his email on them <laughs> so people so he could add people to his kevin hart that's that's what we'll have to save this for the kevin hart episode but he used to collect people's emails for his uh newsletter um so that's how big of a hustler he was back in the day and now he's the most famous person in the world but yeah i want to know how do those one name people like does bono like is he handing out flyers like <laughs> He's like a barker at the, he's like a barker. That's like, um, Bert Kreischer's always talks about this. He worked as a barker for the Boston, I believe, um, the Boston comedy club in New York city. Um, I think it was the, or maybe it was Caroline's one of those, but he was a barker for him, which means he would hand out flyers just on the street. just like kind of outside near the club and just get people to come to the show. And if he got enough people to come to the show, then he got some stage time. So I think that's how he got his start in the... Pretty much got his start in the whole stand-up deal shindig thingy. But he was also the most... Um, voted the most f- craziest party animal in the country by... Who, who was that? Rolling Stone magazine. And they made Van Wilder after him. So if you didn't know that, Van Wilder is based on Burt Kreischer's life. Also, check out Something's Burning on YouTube. It's this cooking show. So if you like the cooking... Also, if you like the cooking, listen to Dining with D&K. Dining with D&K is Doug Benson's um, cooking podcast, I guess you could say. It's not a cooking show. It's a food podcast. He and uh, Karen Anderson, she's a writer. She writes for... Right now, she's writing for Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart's show. But they go to different restaurants and they try some food and have some drinks and have a guest and it's really fun. So check it out. Some chatting and chewing is what they say. Um, oh yes, I just tapped it. I wonder if you could hear that. I I tapped. I'm wearing a medal around my neck right now. <laughs> it says on the back. Let's see if I can get this reflect. Here we go. Boys, golden four by four hundred meter relay, sixth place. 2011 this is the pasco invite and it's purple and white and well actually is bronze but the the ribbon is purple and white and i'm pretty impressed by the how nice the sixth place i just want to say they gave me a super nice medal for sixth place so i wonder if the top five ones are like i want to see what those ones are like those must be made of pure gold or something <laughs> they're after my lucky charms okay this is What Do You Want to Do Before You Die, The Buried Life. I've been giving these guys shout-outs, uh, Johnny, Dave, Duncan, and Ben. 
They used to have a TV show on MTV. So here we go. I want to tell my parents that I love them. Holy cow. That's, that makes me feel a lot. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around every once in a while, you could miss it. I messed that line up, so I'm going to do it again. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. There we go. Nailed it. That's from my favorite movie of all time. Ferris Bueller said that. Oh, this one says, I want to believe in God. And then there's a picture of prayer hands. Dang, dude. Why don't you just... Is that... Mm, it's, this is like a touchy subject. This is a big discussion, but... Is it a choice? Is it not a choice to believe in God? Like, <laughs> could this person not? I mean, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm just spitballing here off the top of my head. But it seems to me like you could make the choice to believe in God. Like, I don't know. It, like, you can make a conscious decision. Like, I'm going to start actively praying. I'm going to start actively researching this, reading up on it. And just acting like a person who believes. And then pretty soon, maybe pretty soon you will believe then. This one says, I want to send a postcard to postsecret.com. I wonder what postsecret.com is. Go there if you're daring. It was me. Oh my gosh. What is this? And then on the other side of the card it says, It was me who ran your cat over. Sorry. What? That is, holy cow, I did not expect that. <laughs> did you see that coming? Um, that's crazy. This is a really great book. The following list of items were chosen from tens of thousands of answers to the question, what do you want to do before you die? The items were then given to our favorite artists to interpret and bring to life. Yeah, there's a bunch of cool drawings and artist interpretations, paintings and the like of these and yeah post your answer at theburiedlife.com so go check that out if you really if that sounds like something that's interesting to you another thing i want to give a little shout to talk about a little bit i discussed this guy uh, earlier um a few episodes ago probably his name's shay serrano now why is that name significant Chase Rano wrote for The Ringer, or he writes for The Ringer currently, and Grantland. Grantland is Bill Simmons, his old website for ESPN, and The Ringer is his new website. Chase Rano is a super unique writing style, very personal, very, I don't know, he just, I love his run-on sentences. Like, that's, that's what my writing style is about. Like, I guess I, he just writes like you talk, and he was a huge inspiration for me, so... I don't, I didn't like copy a style. I don't want to say copy style, but I definitely not. <laughs> Once again, I don't want to say I stole a style, but I made I made it my own. I took it and I molded it into my own. But I love the way he writes. He writes like a conversation. He like he writes like you're talking to, like you're just like sitting at the dinner table and like talking to your to your family or something. Just very big run on sentences. Very personal stuff uh i'll read the back of it for you this book is made up of 33 chapters each chapter is a different basketball question that needs to be answered some of them are obviously crucial example 
what's the most important NBA championship, and some of them are secretly crucial. Example, was Kobe Bryant a dork? But all of them, I think he was overrated. All of them are approached in ways that I hope you think are smart and fun and nuanced. These are illustrations throughout the book. Um, there are some charts in it too. Also, you should know ahead of time that some of the pieces go a bit sideways sometimes. Like the chapter that ends up just being the script of an action movie. Oh, that's funny. I'll have to go to that one. Or the other chapter that's actually just a bunch of lists and nothing else. Oh, yes. I love lists. Basketball is fun. And then that's Shay. Uh, yeah, if you didn't know, uh, I've talked about it a lot. Uh, lists are pretty much my favorite thing. Maybe my favorite thing in the world. Um, I love making lists. Dave Damashek loves lists. He might be the reason why I got into them. Um, Dave's of Thunder. Listen to it. Um, here's the plot. Here we go. So Death Hammer to Hammergeddon. This is starring James Harden or John Harder, but he's he's looks exactly like James Harden in the drawing. So here we go. Here's some dialogue. Xavier Guns, hold on. Are you wearing two pairs of pants at the same time? John Harder continues staring at the building. Yeah. Xavier Guns, why? John Harder still staring at the building. The criminals today are twice as tough as they used to be. Xavier Guns, I, I don't think that's how it works, man. John Harder frustrated. Look, the guys we're going up against, they're an army. We're fighting an effing army. And I'm just one man, one man, like every other man, putting my pants on one leg at a time, two times in a row. Oh my gosh. See, that's just priceless. That's, that's the kind of, <laughs> I don't know. That's the kind of writing that I enjoy. Like, I like ridiculous. I like the extreme writing. I like stuff that's ridiculous. It doesn't have to make any sense. Um, the more, the more out there, the more outlandish, the better. Um, I like stuff that, I like stuff that's away from the plot, stuff that doesn't have anything to do with anything, really. But it's just random, it's funny, it's just out of nowhere, I didn't see it coming. Here's another one. Exterior, the blood family the blood family compound. Alright, here we go. Day. Two nameless henchmen are outside on sentry duty. Don't know what sentry means. They're both watching for John Harder, who's already torn through half of the blood family. Henchman number one. Lights up a cigarette, takes a drag. I can't believe we drew this BS detail again. Henchman number two. Only concerned with henchman number one's words. Only half concerned with henchman number one's words. You shouldn't smoke. Henchman number one. Dismayed. What? Henchman number two. You shouldn't smoke. It's bad for you. Henchman number one. Are you serious right now? Henchman number two. I'm just saying, with as much as we know about smoking now, you'd think you'd know better. Henchman number one, exasperated. I would have to smoke a pack a day every day for the next year, ten years, for some... There's a sound behind them. Startled, they both turn around. John Harder is standing there. He's got a shotgun aimed at henchman number one. John Harder. Ten years? Let me save you the trouble. Harder pulls the trigger. Bang! The close-range shot explodes henchman number one's chest. Harder turns the gun to henchman number two. Henchman number two, terrified. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Bang. Harder explodes henchman number two's chest with a shot as well. John Harder. Secondhand smoke kills too. <laughs>
<laughs> Wait, no, no. Secondhand smoke kills too. Okay, it's funny. It's good. Um, another chapter. I'll just read the title of it and I'll move on. I think I think that's funny. I don't know if you guys think that writing's funny, but I think. If 1997 Carl Malone and a bear swapped places for a season, who would be more successful? And he comes to the conclusion that the bear, sorry, spoiler alert, the bear would have a better season as as 1997 Carl Malone. Oh, I see what he's saying. If the bear and Carl Malone swapped places for a season, who would be more successful? Okay. So he's saying that Carl Malone has to like is he saying that he must be saying that Carl Malone has to like catch fish and stuff and like live in the woods. Okay, this makes sense. The bear would have a bear season as nineteen ninety seven Carl Malone, then nineteen ninety seven Carl Malone would have his bear. Um okay. So this makes sense, I guess. He says, could Carl Malone even survive in the wild? Here we go. This will give us some context. There's a TV show that I'm occasionally, that I watch occasionally called Naked and Afraid. And I'm legit in real time realizing this right now. Um, I like that too, how he does these things where he'll do like parentheses and then he'll say like, like in real time, like in this moment, I'm doing this right now. I'm sitting next to my wife right now. I'm eating a sandwich watching the Spurs game right now because he's a Spurs fan. So I really, like, implicated that, or not implicated, uh, put that into my writing style. Like, I will be very real. I try to be as real and honest as I can with the audience and also just break the fourth wall because that's what, that's what Shay does. He breaks the fourth wall, and he actually tears it down, you know. He he blows it up, actually, with a with a bazooka. Um, okay. I'm legit real-time realizing right now as I type this. That sounds a lot like the title of a very specific kind of pornography. (laughs) That's dark. The premise of the show is the producers take a man and a woman and they drop them off in some remote area with no food, no shoes, no clothes, no clothes, so on. Um, Footnote, each person is actually allowed to bring a single item. Mostly they bring a knife or a fire starter or something like that. I always wonder if they're allowed to bring shoes as their one item. That would absolutely be my first pick. Um, the people have to survive there for 21 days. And if they do, they win. Usually by day four, both people are a wreck. They're hungry and thirsty and beaten up by bugs and generally miserable. Every few episodes, the contestants become so overcome with adversity that one of them will just quit and ask to be taken home. I do not fault them. I was stung by a wasp <laughs> once in 2014 and called in sick to work for three days in a row <laughs> but that doesn't make the truth any less true living in the wild is rough it's not for the soft in most cases i'd argue against an nba player living surviving in the wild for seven months Carl Malone, though is a unique case he was by his own explanation raised to exist in the wild and i don't mean that in a stylistic way i mean it literally the most straightforward example of that is him telling outdoor life in 2009 when I was growing up in northern Louisiana, we didn't have much, but my mother and grandfather taught me how to survive on what I could catch and kill, or kill. <laughs> Jesus. My favorite quote about Carl Malone and hunting actually comes from Charles Barkley. It's from Sports Century documentary ESPN did on Malone. Barkley says, 
He'd always call me to go hunting, and I'd say, "What are you going hunting for?" He's like, "He's what? That's terrible. That's terrible." He's like, "Mountain lion and black bear," and I'm like, "What about squirrel and deer or something like that?" <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's why Charles Barkley is the greatest. He's the greatest analyst and announcer in the history of that sport. So great. Um, check out Inside the NBA on TNT. Um, so there's that. Plus, you could you also have to factor in this incredibly durable, incredible durability because that would prove exceptionally valuable here. So Carl scores a yes here. Carl could absolutely survive in the wild. Okay, so that gives you some background to that. So Carl Malone is basically the Joe Rogan um, of the NBA. It appears he cross has a crossbow and. Goes to town on a bunch of animals. And here's a little chart. I like I like his charts. That's another one of my favorite things is along with the whole list obsession and, and um all the other crazy stuff that I've talked to you about. I like charts too. I like graphs. I like pie graphs. I like charts. And I especially like it when these things are random. Excuse me very much. Um random don't really have to do with anything serious not academic but more pop culture fun kind of stuff this chart is a preordained connection from Carl Malone to the bear from the revenant in eight moves so it's kind of like a six degrees um, of Kevin Bacon kind of thing here we go Carl Malone wrestles Dennis Rodman at WCW NWO bash at the beach in 1998 Dennis Rodman the worm, the worm man. The worm confirms. I don't know a Dennis Robin. Hey man, Dennis Robin. The worm confirms. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> Dennis Robin hanging out with uh, Kim Jong Un. Oh my gosh, that's that's the Dennis Robin. He's like the real life. Um, the interview. He's like the third star of the Seth Rogen movie. The interview. I wonder if that's his favorite movie, or if he likes it, or hasn't seen it, or. Do you think the interview is even on Dennis Rodman's radar? Um, so he is in double team with John Claude Van Damme, nineteen ninety seven. John Claude Van J C V D is in Universal Soldier with Dolph Lundgren, ninety two. I actually believe Dolph Lundgren went to Washington State University. So you can check me on that if you want, but I, I'm gonna claim him as a cougar. Dolph Lundgren is in Rocky IV with Sylvester Sloan in 85. Sylvester Sloan is in Copland with Robert De Niro in 97. Robert De Niro is in The Intern with Anne Hathaway in 2015. Anne Hathaway is in Dark Knight Rises with Tom Hardy in 2012. And you know it, Tom Hardy is in The Revenant with The Bear 2015. All right, that's, then that's enough of that for basketball and other things, so... It, that is, got done reading that probably last summer. Um, got that as a Christmas present. I first saw it in Powell's Books. Powell's Books is a giant bookstore in Portland, Oregon. Been talking a lot about Portland. And yeah, it's really cool. They have different rooms. The bookstore is like three stories tall and it's divided into different rooms. Each room is labeled by color. So there's like the teal room, the orange room, the red room, green room, blue room. And 
yeah, there are different genres of books in each room, and it's very cool. Um, I would love if anyone from Pals Books is listening right now. You guys have my permission to have uh, go ahead and purchase sponge cake and um, what what's in the fridge, and go ahead and <laughs> I forget the title of my own book. Um, yeah, get those books. Go ahead and get them in Pals Books. I would love that. I'd be so pumped up if I saw if I saw my books on a table over there. But I that's one of my favorite things to do. Absolute favorite things to do is just troll around a good old fashioned bookstore. Like it doesn't matter if it's I like the used bookstores. Um I've talked about third place books. That's they have some used books. Half price books in Linwood has some used books. But um I love I just love walking around a bookstore and just like hanging out for a couple hours and reading different books and there's this one table and I may have mentioned it but there's this table of books in front of third place books and it's just uh full of these like wacky like I think it's probably where um the guys can be cat ladies too Michael Showalter book is which I've been reading parts of yeah it's called guys can be cat ladies too do you see how smooth that transition was uh, pat myself on the back there. Uh, Michael Showalter is the author. He's from White House American Summer, which we talked about a lot in the the old Paul Rudd episode. So I'll just read you a tiny snippet of Guys Can Be Callies too. Um, here we go. Rolfing. According to the Rolf Institute of Structural Int- Int- Integration, uh, Rolfing is a holistic system of soft tissue manipulation and movement education that organizes the whole body in gravity. Only certified rolfers can practice rolfing, so I'm legally prohibited from giving you specific instruction, but basically it's like being flogged with a baseball bat. <laughs> Note, do not use Bengay or any other form of, what is this word? Analges- analgesic. Analgesic. A-N-A-L-G-E-S- I see. Hmm. Analgesic heat rub while performing your cat body massage. Okay. <laughs> uh, you have successfully completed Cat 101. You are now equipped with all fundamental, elementary, and rudimentary knowledge of cat. Can I bro hug my cat? No, you really shouldn't. While bro hugs are embraces, demonstrating fraternal famili- familiarity and admiration among male humans, they are best reserved for the pub, sporting arena, and casual business lunch. Your cat likes to be petted. So let's leave it at that. <laughs> Fun fact about hugging, a normal hug lasts nine and a half seconds. An abnormal hug lasts 300 hours. <laughs> okay, so check that book out on Amazon if you... That sounds interesting to you. Um, I think now enough of this messing around. Yes, I told you. Why do I love sitting around bookstores? I like uh, how quiet, they're very quiet, they're peaceful, Um, it's just like a, it's like surrounded, being surrounded by knowledge is like kind of a cool phenomenon, and it just seems like there's like a lot of power in them, you know, (laughs) I don't know why, but there's just, there's just power in, (laughs) it sounds weird, but there's power in the, in these books, some sort of magical, mystical beings, it's being carried out through these books that i don't know it sounds weird but it sounds like some fahrenheit 451 stuff but i think there's something about 
like the the art form of like a book that like the fact that like we can still read the books from like a hundred years ago and not think twice about it really it's kind of it's kind of a cool they're kind of just like a timeless timestamp cool phenomenon that I think's kind of unbelievable like I don't know that's why <laughs> the idea of like book burning that like Fahrenheit Fahrenheit four five one talks about that's what who would burn a book that's just not right that's like burning a book is like burning money that's like just weird it's just <laughs> is it like a it's like a protest or something right I have no idea um I have no I don't know I just got off on that little jag there I was just off the top of the head but John do you guys think there's are you guys that obsessed with books am I just crazy or do books carry some sort of they carry memories too. I mean, once you have it on your bookshelf, you you have the memory of reading it and you have the memory of buying it or getting it as a gift. So they're just like little keepsakes and I don't know. Some people will give away books after they read them though, so that makes sense. So if you're if you're donating it or I don't know, selling it for a few bucks or something, then nothing wrong with that. But I like the books that are collectibles that that's what I tried to make when I made What's in the Fridge. I was trying to make like a book that was a keepsake and like a collectible. Like if a bobblehead was a book. <laughs> I was trying to make turn a bobblehead into a book basically. But I don't know. I just want to have something that people could pick up every once in a while. And just maybe flip to a random page and read that page. And it doesn't have to do with anything with the rest of the book. Like that kind of book that's... It's not chronologically sound. It's kind of jumbled, if you will. Um, I think now is a good time for me to... I've gone so far. I swam so far away from the boat that I can barely even see it right now. I can't even see the shore anymore. We're swimming so far away from this boat that I'm going to start swimming back to it. Oh, this is what we're going to do. We were going to talk about the history of New York City. So, New York City, um, 1656... Um, with, no, I'll start from the beginning, and then I'll read you that. So, here we go. The history of New York City, the written history, began with the first European explorer, the Italian Giovanni de Ver- Verrazzano. That name, Verrazzano, sounds familiar. Two R's and two Z's. And, I don't know, uh, 1524. And then, European settlement began with the Dutch in 1609. So, yep, I did remember that, like, Manhattan and New York City is a Dutch, was that Dutch settlement? Um, So, 1656, here we go. I'm interested in populations. Um, This has been something that's always interested me. As you know, I'm a numbers man. I rattled off all those World Series um, in a previous episode. Can't remember which one that was, but I'm really good at remembering the World Series winners. So, I pretty much know all of them since the early 60s maybe so i'm not going to do that right now because that will take too long and i already did that you guys can listen to that in the past episode but i'm a numbers man and, I, and i'm a stats man i was always a statistician uh, i was related to tony reale because he was a stat boy on uh, pti and that's something i have to tell about um I, actually i'll just go ahead and tell you guys Right now, um, 
So I actually, he, he, I'm just switching gears all of a sudden. Sorry for the sudden switching gears here. Um, I'm wondering if it's um, manual or automatic. Hmm. I don't know how to drive a stick. Is that is that kind of lame? Could would have been easier to learn when I was 16, but it seems like it'd be super hard to learn now. Now that I've been driving for like nine years. But anyway, switching gears um, around the horn. I actually applied for an internship there at around the horn back in, what was that, April of 2014. I was a student here at Washington State University living in a different apartment, one over by Greek Row, over in the middle of campus kind of. And yeah, I was over there at Campus Ridge, also Krug Housing, the same housing place. But yeah, I I applied for Around the Horn, an internship there, and I actually got an interview. And it was actually a Skype interview, which was pretty amazing. Oh my gosh, I was so <laughs> so nervous. Uh, I didn't even have a webcam on my laptop, so I had to use um I had to use my friend uh or my roommate's um laptops. Um but yes, yes, yes. I I did the Skype interview and I got to meet Tony Reale and he was like, "Christopher, Christopher, hello, Christopher." I just remember him calling me Christopher, which I I love that. That was <laughs> I was like, "Well, this is pretty cool. I'm talking to one of my idols right now, Tony Reale. This is pretty off the charts, off the chain." And I thought the interview went really well. Actually, I got to talk a lot about myself and. I don't know, just talk to someone about, like, I remember Tony Reale, like, asked me what my favorite shows were, and I, I said, one of them was It's Always Sunny, I think, and I think he said he likes It's Always Sunny, too, so, <laughs> yeah, he's the host of Around the Horn, um, and also the stat boy for PTI, PTI is the show after Around the Horn, the one that I watched in the old, um, bar, I talked about last episode in the Melissa McCarthy episode. I watched that in the Richmond bar, the one in Richmond, Virginia. But yes, yes, that's the story about my Around the Horn internship. I wrote some, I, it's really funny, I thought. It's actually in What's in the Fridge. I actually put, um, yeah, I believe I actually put my Around the Horn uh, internship application, <laughs> what I wrote for that in, in What's in the Fridge. So if you want to see that, go over to Amazon. Get on Kindle or Barnes & Noble. Get what's in the fridge. And um, I also want to circle back around. But yeah. Oh yeah. Also, let you know. I did not end up getting the uh, internship, unfortunately. I would have had to move to... Or not had to. I would have been able to move to Washington, D.C. And that would have been really cool. It's a cool experience. But that's okay, though. I mean, we'll move on. You, you win some, you lose some, you move on. You know? That's what it is. That's what life is. You just keep moving. You just roll with the punches. It's not about how. What is, what's that saying? It's not about how much you get hit. It's about how much you get up. Uh, it's not about how hard you get. It's about how how much you can get up. You know? Yeah, that's what something like that. It's all about bouncing back. Life's about bouncing back. And speaking of bouncing back, I want to bounce right on back to something I was just talking about. I was telling you guys about. AIM, remember AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, the little yellow man running. I was Clean Chores 22, and it was my first girlfriend. 
I don't know, it wasn't really even, don't even get too carried away, it wasn't really a thing, but I was talking about Greg with uh, Clean Shorts 22, uh, because um, he was the one who, he kind of acted as like a reverend, if you will, with, you know, like uh, the, the person who marries people, I can't think of the word right now, but um, minister, right? He was a minister for us, yeah, uh, like a boyfriend-girlfriend minister for me and Ariana, so he was like, I now I just specifically remember him saying in a in a message on AIM, he said Greg was <laughs> Llamas and Eggs was his screen name. <laughs> he said, uh, I now pronounce you boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> so I just thought that was that was like a good memory there. And I don't think we ever really me and Ariana probably didn't even really talk in person <laughs> after that. It was probably just like a little thing that we got excited about. Cause that's the thing. I grew up, I grew up in a weird time period where that must have been like fifth grade or sixth grade, but we were kind of just, that was probably like 05, kind of like 04, 05. We were just figuring out what the internet was really. And like, we were just like figuring out like how to use it. And I remember when like everyone used to be a troll, like people, (laughs) people used to just like talk mad trash like talk talk smack on the internet just non-stop constantly because we didn't realize that i don't know that that's just like <laughs> it's it's not the same as doing it to someone in person but it's like it's pretty close though it's not it's definitely not nothing it's definitely not like we should just do it because we we should think there's no connection to like us as a person like what we would say on the internet um yes that reminds me of um, that reminds me of with with Greg. I used to make we used to make prank calls all the time. Like, oops, I almost almost dropped my phone there. You know the show, um, the Adam Carolla show, um, Crank. What's it called? Crank Anchors. We would always make prank calls just to the, <laughs> just like sometimes we do random numbers. Like sometimes I would do like a random phone number close to my home phone number, um, or sometimes we do businesses or. Oh my gosh, but we were probably so, we were so cruel. Like, we would see, like, how long we could keep the person on the line. And <laughs> don't remember any specific. I just remember definitely, like, saying inappropriate things to people and them being very confused and probably leaving a few weird voicemails, too. So, yeah, that's just some of the stuff that we were into. We were into the aim, we were figuring out the internet, we were doing some prank calls. Um, and I think that kind of stuff. Definitely the prank calls, excuse me, definitely shaped who, like, not only who I am as a person, but my, like, my humor, my, what I think is funny is, excuse me, let me, let me have a sip of water for my little, for my red, red robins, my red, red, my old red, red water bottle right here, one second. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Apologize for that graveyard of graveyard of error but i have to hydrate because you know number one rule of podcasting obviously stay hydrated i couldn't just talk keep talking and not hydrate I gotta keep this stroke not dry okay here we go anyway we were we were prank on and we were on aim we were on the internet making making things happen making moves department of transportation making moves um i loved it i mean Man, I don't know. If you guys can't tell already, I, 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 a lot of people say they didn't have good childhoods, but 
I have a lot of good memories I can think of. Like, I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun times. I definitely had, definitely had, like, a good family, good good parents, good brother and sister, and good friends, too. So, I don't know. I just feel, like, super lucky for all that. So, if you're feeling lucky right now, then think of everything you're grateful for and just make a list of all those things you're grateful for. And you don't have to wait till Thanksgiving. You can just do it right now. Or maybe you're listening to this on Thanksgiving. If you are listening to this on Thanksgiving, save some gravy for me. <laughs> yeah, you heard me, right? Okay. We're all over the place right now. It's weird. The time period I grew up in, that my generation grew up in, is a crazy time period just because we were just, yeah, like I said, we were just getting used to the internet. Like, it definitely was not a thing um, before us. And... Can you imagine being a kid and just like the the your parents are trying to figure out the internet too like and at the same time as you but you're probably figuring out a little better because cuz usually learn stuff easier their minds are more malleable I guess you could say easier to learn language when you're young and yeah I also heard some weird thing that like if some person gets like some sort of like head trauma or if you get hit in the head a certain way then you can learn language like really quickly and i just thought that is kind of crazy right i don't know <laughs> it just seems that seems like impossible almost to me i guess i would say is how i describe it <laughs> i would describe it as not accurate not correct so in 1656 we're still talking new york city the population of New York City in 1656, 1,000 people. Wow. 1690, that's probably a big place. So think about it. In 1656, a 1,000-person village, is that might be the biggest village in the whole, all the land. Um, 1690, 6,000 people. 1790, 33,131. 1800, 60,515. 1810, 96,373. Let's get forward all the way to 1880. 1,206,299. Holy cow. So it went way up. It just jumped all the way. In 60 years, the population increased by 1 million people. So that's kind of crazy. Um, And yeah, and then it goes ahead and goes all the way up to... 6,930,446 in the year 1930. And then right now, it looks like, well, they only have it up to 2010. In 2010, it was 8,175,133. Okay. Um, the Sons of Liberty destroyed British authority in New York City in the Stamp Act, Con the Stamp Act Congress of Representatives from throughout the 13 colonies met in the city in 1765 to organize resistance to British policies. Hmm. Okay. So that's your fun fact of the day for the good old New York City. I think that's enough in New York City history. Wow, we have gotten so far off the rails here on this podcast that isn't crazy. Before we get any further off the rails, it's actually farther. No, it's further. Farther, okay, here's the way to, here's a way to tell it. Um, farther is physical distance because the word far is in it. And further is like metaphorical. 
So if you're ever in a bind and you need to know the difference between farther and further, that's how you tell. Farther has far in it, so it's meant for so it's um physical. Okay, so there you go. Um, where were we? I can't even remember where we left off, so I'll just go here. This is Denzel's IMDb. We're we have wandered right back on over to Denzel, and it's a TV movie, 1984, License to Kill. I think I said this one. Martin Sawyer, 1984. Um, he's in a soldier story, private class, first class, Peterson. 86, he's in Power, plays Arnold Billings. Shout out if you're listening from Billings, Montana. Um, looking forward to going to Great Falls again pretty soon. Hopefully, maybe go there in May. We'll see. But go go hang out with my grandpa for a little bit. Maybe hang out with the cousins. Speaking of Great Falls, here's a little Great Falls story. So we went down. I was staying with my grandpa. What was this? This was maybe last year or the year before. Yes, this was actually, I believe this was actually going to be August of 2017 to set the scene. So my grandma was still alive there. Um, and my grandpa was there. I was staying with them. I was there in Great Falls by myself. Went, made the road trip. Made the uh, trip over there by myself. And um, decided to go with my cousin Darren over to the cabin. And the cabin is on the Smith River. They got it with another family, one of their family friends, and it's Darren and his brother Eric and their families. And we all went down there, and we had a ball. Probably had way too much fun. And then we drove back that night. Or I didn't drive him. Um, Darren drove, and we hit a deer. <laughs> so... Yeah, I actually actually remember driving down with uh, Billy and Alan. I actually mentioned them earlier in the episode. Um, we drove down their pickup truck. Everyone's got pickup trucks in Montana, so giant pickup trucks. Uh, people do chew tobacco there as well, if you're wondering. If you haven't been there, um, that's definitely a thing. Uh, everyone's got something in their lip right there. Um, yeah, but anyway... I drove down there with Billy and Allen, and I definitely remember talking about, talking a little bit about Montana football, probably about the Grizzlies, how they're doing, because uh, Billy is a huge Grizzlies fan, like him, um, and then his kids, Billy and Allen's kids are Darren and Eric, and Darren and Eric both went to uh, Mon- University of Montana, they're both Grizz, and my parents are both Bobcats, Montana State University, uh, Montana State is in uh, Bozeman and University of Montana Grizzlies is in Missoula so Missoula is kind of like the hippie town um, progressive liberal it's like the Bellingham of Montana uh, shout out to Bellingham you know um, talked about it earlier I believe um, Western Washington University where I went during my sophomore year college um, yes, and then Bozeman is a cool little like outdoorsy town, kind of by some ski areas, and it's kind of near Yellowstone, and that's where my parents met. They met at the University of, or Montana State University. They were bobcats. But yes, um, probably chatted with Uncle Billy, um, or Uncle, sorry, get my own relatives mixed up, Uncle Alan, about the, um, the old Grizz. 
But yes, yes, we uh we played some cards games. We floated the river. Oh my gosh, that was the most fun part about about staying at the cabin. It was just a day trip, but staying there for the day was definitely floating the river. Um, that's another recommendation I got. Another plug is f- go ahead and float a river this summer. If you have never floated a river, um, all you have to do is fill a cooler with, I mean, with whatever you want. It can be some cold ones or it can be some Arizona iced tea or just bottled water if you want or whatever. And set out to the nearest river. Make sure it's safe. No rapids. No class 5 rapids. Like the ones that we um, rafted down in uh, near Bend, Oregon. When my mom fell out. <laughs> and she went under the... Oh my gosh. I can't believe my mom went under the raft. I feel I feel kind of bad. Like She was a trooper though. She got pulled right out. Pulled right out by her life jacket. By the uh, guide. You have to be super calm to be a river raft guide. You also have to be super crazy. Like, those people are nuts. Like, you have to, like, definitely take people's lives in your hands. And I don't know, man. (laughs) It's so much responsibility being a river raft guide that so many things that could go wrong so easily, so quickly. You could just straight up go off a waterfall. Like, go off, like, Niagara Falls. You don't even realize it's coming. I don't know why they probably map out their rafts, so it's probably not that's probably not a thing that they worry about. But it is in it is in my writer my writer mind. Um, so yes, 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 we rafted the river. We it's more like a float. We floated the river. We played games. Lots of we played um, cornhole, a classic game where you toss the cornhole and uh, toss the beanbag onto a wooden plank that has a hole in it try to get the beanbag in the hole and we played football catch all that stuff um yeah and then we drove back um i drove back with darren and and his kid miles and then yeah so miles in the back seat and he's like what two years old at the time he's in his uh what uh what do you call it baby chair and then and then before we know it we're driving in the dark. We, we kind of, you go up uh, this uh, path. It's kind of like driving on rocks. It's almost like driving on a, on a hiking trail. There's like maybe switchbacks. Is that what you call them? You know, switchbacks when the trail will go one way and then it turns and goes uh, parallel the other direction. Then it turns and goes parallel again. And that's how you make your way up the mountain. Well, yeah, imagine that, but with gravel and on a road. And that's what we were driving up. So we made it up that, and then we're driving kind of like kind of like right on the top of that, kind of on the plateau. And we just, we, see, we hear a loud boom, like an explosion almost. And I don't know how else to say it, but we, we smashed a deer. Definitely, definitely killed it. And it banged up the front of Darren's truck pretty bad, but not too bad. It was really alarming, but I don't know if he even saw the deer. But it's good, though, because you're supposed to just drive straight through a deer. That's advice right there. If you ever... I think, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, right? If you see a deer on the road, you just keep driving straight, right? Because it's more dangerous to swerve. I think that happens at the beginning of get out um jordan peele 
they hit a deer. Um, yeah. So that's what happened. Um, I think that's why I wanted to tell you guys. And since I said that, let's skip right on back over. I like how abruptly my stories end. <laughs> okay. 1986. He's in power. Denzel uh, plays Arnold Billings. Yes, yes, I said that because Billings, Montana. 86 TV movie, The George McKenna Story. He plays George McKenna. Denzel's in a little something called Cry Freedom. 1987 plays Steve Biko. 1988, he's in For Queen and Country, plays Reuben James. Um, 82 to 88... He is Dr. Philip Chandler for 137 episodes of Saint Elsewhere. I'm going to click on Saint Elsewhere because I do not remember the show. The show's from the 80s. Not not that I can't watch it, but don't know too much about the hospital shows other than Children's Hospital, which was the um Rob Cordry, Paul Shears in it, Rob Hubel's in it, Lake Bell. You know, wait, give me a fresh take here. One sec. In a world. In a world. That last one was a good one. Okay. Yeah, Lake Bell from In a World. Add it to the Netflix queue. But yeah, Children's Hospital is a good show that used to be on Comedy Central, I think. I think that also might be on Netflix. But right now we're talking about St. Elsewhere. And St. Elsewhere is... TV series, this TVPG, 60 Minutes, Drama, The Lives and Work of the Staff of St. What, how do you say this? Elegius, Elegius Hospital, an old and disrespected Boston teaching hospital. A Boston teaching hospital? What's a teaching hospital mean? I mean, is that like the hospital from Scrubs? Is that what they're saying? Uh, so... Some other oh my goodness, Howie Mandel's in this. Howie Mandel, the uh the old germaphobe from Deal Deal or No Deal. Our old friend Howie. Okay, so scroll back down here and let's just let's just keep on trucking. Let's just keep on Wow, I just realized I wonder if that will change the phrase when they have automated trucks. Like I talked about, when they have self-driving trucks, are they going to change the phrase, keep on trucking? Is it going to be, keep on laying your truck, truck for you? <laughs> What's it going to be? It's going to be, keep on, keep on riding in your truck, keep on sleeping in your truck. I think it's going to change the game completely. Oh my gosh. Which is going to come first, self-driving cars or hover cars? Because I have actually heard that hover cars are on the way and on the way soon. Maybe when you're listening to this, that they're already here. Maybe you're you're listening to this right now and actually driving in your hover car. And if you're listening to this right now from a hover car, I just want to say that is pretty pretty cool. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks for being a starfish. And tell the podcast, tell a friend about the podcast. Um, however, mind reading technology you guys use nowadays, maybe. I don't know, tele, what's that thing where you can tell people, tele, telekinesis, that's what it is, when you, when you can transport thoughts in between people's brains, you know, you probably don't even have to talk to people nowadays, do ya? <laughs> yeah, 
wow, man, think about it. What is it? Maybe in 10 years from now, maybe maybe February 26, 2029, you're listening to this from a hover car that's driving itself. Wow, what do you think? All right, I don't know, man. I think things are going to change. <laughs> I think technology is crazy. I, I, I think I'm not the only one who thinks that too because... I'm not the only one who watched Elon Musk or listened to Elon Musk on Joe Rogan. Not that that's not that Elon Musk knows everything, but he's pretty smart. Have you heard about the Tesla? It, it's a car that actually what was it have? What's that one mode that the car has? It's called like freak mode or something or it farts too. <laughs> it's a car, it's the only car that has flatulence. So, if you want your car to Sound like it just went to Taco Bell at 3 a.m. Go ahead and get the new Tesla. I heard it's, I heard it goes zero to sixty in like 1.8 seconds too. So that sounds, that sounds like why would you even need to do that? That just sounds crazy. What is it like NASCAR? Like this isn't, this isn't. I just get all angry. I just, I start throwing stuff around my room. This isn't NASCAR. No, this. Seriously though, like who needs you don't need to go zero to sixty in one point eight seconds. I just turned into Clint Eastwood from Gran Torino, but get off my lawn, Arneson over here. But that's just almost unnecessary. I don't know. I don't know, man. Let's just keep on trucking though. Keep on auto trucking. Nineteen eighty nine. Denzel is in a little movie called The Mighty Quinn. Plays Xavier Quinn. Here's one I've seen. 89 glory he plays private trip let's click on glory i think this one has the star of um ferris builder yep matthew broderick our old our old pal matthew broderick plays um who's he play he plays a uh, let's oh he plays robert shaw yes robert shaw leads the u.s civil wars first all-black volunteer wait who wait what oh oh wow okay See, I, why did I totally forget this movie? I totally forgot that it's Matthew Broderick in the All Black Volunteer Company. Okay, that's what this that's what this movie's about. Um, I was confused there for a second. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so Matthew Broderick leads the U.S. Civil War's first All Black Volunteer. I need to drink some water. Uh, first All Black Volunteer Company, fighting prejudices from both his own Union Army and the Confederates. So he's taking it from both. Both sides. All right, one second. Going Red Robins right now. Mm-mm. It might be break time for me right now. I think it is break time. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take a break, and then I'm going to tell you a little more about Denzel. Keep it trekking, keep it trekking, keep it trekking. Are you guys having fun? Hope you had a good break. I'm having a lot of fun, so I hope you guys are too. I'm going to go ahead and hop right back over to Denzel. What you do during your break, maybe throw out some old water bottles, or maybe you buy a new one. Maybe you're just looking on Amazon. Looking on Amazon at water bottles? Maybe it's a water bottle for your hamster or guinea pig. Hmm. Hmm. What's the difference between hamsters and guinea pigs, anyway? Is one of them bigger? Oh my gosh. I think this was also at the Ungrax. For some reason, I definitely remember... Hiding behind uh, like one of those like fold-out couches and watching the Little Rascals. I have no idea why we were watching the Little Rascals. I don't know what year it's from. 
I think it was in black and white though. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it sounds like something Chris would do. I'm pretty sure Chris, he may have put a guinea pig in his underwear. I have no idea why he did it. <laughs> sounds funny, just me saying it. It just doesn't sound like something like that someone, like a human being would do or something that's plausible or accurate. But I think we were watching Little Rascals behind the fold-out couch and Chris Ungrek put... Put the Ungrite's guinea pig in his tidy whities for some reason. <laughs> oh my god. Why did he do that? Who knows? But you never knew what was going to happen next with those Ungrex. And shout out Ungrex if you guys are listening to this. What's up? Hope you guys are doing well and hope to see you again soon. Um, let's see what we got here. Oh, yes. Another thing I want to say was back in the day, we would, for some reason, we weren't afraid of uh, what's it called? claustrophobia when you you can't take like small spaces so i don't know why we wanted to do this but there were some small like almost like cabinet spaces that we would we would like stuff ourselves in these spaces like just put just imagine just sitting at the bottom of a like a like a wardrobe or i would say a wardrobe and then putting a blanket on stuffing a blanket on top of you and then sitting there for like an hour it's like it's seriously like a form of torture. I uh, we were running. <laughs> we had like a our own little like Guantanamo Bay going on over there in Woodenville by by North Shore over in North Shore um, at the Ungrex house. I don't know why we did that. Why? What? What could possibly have been the motivation for sitting in a tight space and just getting crammed down and. It's almost like we were trying to, it sounds like super, like such a trippy, spacey, starry thought. This is like a Pete Holmesy thought almost, but <laughs> uh, this is like, it's like we were trying to recreate being in the womb. That's why I have, to, yeah, right? Isn't that a crazy thought? We were trying to, <laughs> it's like we were trying to like be inside our, like our mom's womb again, like be inside our mom's stomach again. Like that's the only thing, that's the only explanation I can come up with. Because that's the only thing I can compare it to. Because we basically just would <laughs> we would just sit in a ball basically and just put a blanket on top of us and I don't know what what it was all about, but I like the I like the womb theory. That will for, forever be known as the womb theory of the Denzel Washington episode of A Star is Born. I, I think it's a good theory. Nineteen ninety. Denzel. He's in a little something called Heart Condition. He plays Napoleon Stone. Also in 90, he's in Mo Betta Blues. He plays Bleak Gilliam. 91, Mississippi Masala. He plays Demetrius Willem, Willems. Williams. Um, 91, plays Ricochet. Or he's in Ricochet. He plays Nick Styles. 92, TV show. Great performances. He's the narrator for one episode. He is Malcolm X in the movie Malcolm X in 92. He is in Much Ado About Nothing. He plays Don Pedro in 93. Um, let's see. He plays Joe Miller in Philadelphia in 93. Never saw that, but let's click on it. Because I've heard, is that not an, is it maybe an Oscar Best Picture winner? Or is definitely a, Definitely nominee. 
When a man with HIV is fired by his law firm because of his condition, he hires a homophobic small-time lawyer as the only willing advocate for a wrongful dismissal suit. Oh, man. That sounds like a John Grisham book. It's not a John Grisham book, is it? All right, scroll back down. Um, scroll back up. There's actually not as many Denzel movies as you would think. Um, 90... Oh snap This is not happening right now This is not happening right now This is not happening This is not, <laughs> this is not happening This is a John Grisham book This next Did I see this movie? Did I Did this subconsciously go in my brain? I'm tripping here Because the next movie is a John Grisham book The Pelican Brief Look at the pelican fly Look at the pelican fly Um is that that is a John Grisham book? I'm gonna double check this, but because uh, I just have to confirm. I know you're listening to this right now, and you're like, "Chris, that's obviously a John Grisham book. Everyone knows it. The Pelican Brief is a John Grisham book. Um, I'm gonna see if it is uh, because I'm pretty sure it is, but I gotta be sure. And snap, yeah, it is. You know it is, baby. You know it is. From it, it is from 1993. Um, wait, no, that's the movie. Yeah. Based on the novel. Based on the novel of the same name. Here we go. We're figuring this out in real time. You're along for the ride with me, baby. Because that's what the Star is Born is all about. It's about living in the moment in between. Oh my gosh. That's great. I just thought about that. The best moments in podcasts, they're not when the person is talking. They're not when the person's talking. Those are those moments in between when the person is not talking. Those are the real treasures. That's the gold. The real gold is that stuff in between the words. And I just blew your mind right there. Uh, That's the first time I've ever heard those words said, and I liked them. I don't know. I, I I think that's a good theory that... Once you listen to a lot of podcasts, I bet you're probably a pretty big podcast fan. If you're listening to this right now, you're with me right now, and at this mo at this minute in this podcast, you're still sticking around. It's eleven thirty-five p.m. right now in Pullman, and it's still not snowing. It's still dark, obviously. But I think if you're a big podcast fan, you'll understand what I'm really saying when I say it's the moments in between the talking that are the real treasures. And right now, I'm looking at the Pelican Brief. This is 1992. It's a novel by John Grisham. There we go. 387 pages. Uh, Check it out if you want. Okay. We just uh, blew that case wide open. Here's a Pelican Brief. A law student uncovers a conspiracy putting herself and others in danger. And Julia Roberts is in it too. And she definitely has a... An episode of A Star is Born coming up, so stay on, stay on top for that. 1995, Denzel's in Crimson Tide. He plays Hunter. Also 95, he is Lieutenant Parker Barnes in Virtuosity. Also 95, he's Easy Rollins in Devil in a Blue Dress. He is Nat Serling in Courage Under Fire. I like the name Nat. Is it pronounced Nate or is it pronounced Nat? N-A-T. I like that. If it's Nat, I like it even more. 
Um, if it's Nate, it doesn't make any sense. So this is, right now I'm holding a postcard. On the back of it, it says July 21st, 2008. And it's a picture. This has to do with the episode. This isn't a random postcard. I'm not just springing this on you guys out of nowhere. I know I do that sometimes, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> this is a postcard. It's a picture of the beautiful Empire State Building. And there's the sun is setting behind it. And it's, it's New York City, baby. It's 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 like where everything's happening, it looks like. Oh, my gosh. It's everything at once is in one one place. Everything that matters in the world, it seems like it's in New York City or Los Angeles. Like, my... I sound like a a hack right now, but <laughs> everything that matters is in it's on the coast, man. It's New York City and LA, dude. But it's true. I mean, true to me. That's how much I I just dig I dig the uh the pop culture and all that kind of stuff, all that the entertainment industry. But yeah, that's a cool postcard that I picked up during the East Coast baseball trip of two thousand eight I went on with my dad, cousin Matt, and my uncle Steve. And also, I'm holding my trusty, bouncy, it's very soft, it's very underinflated. It's the old KentWaParks.com, Kent Parks and Recreation um, bouncy ball. So go ahead and toss that. Oh, threw it a little too hard in the corner. <laughs> hopefully it didn't disturb my neighbor. Um, hopefully it did not bounce that ball right on the... Right under the wall. We don't want to. We don't want to mess with anyone's sleep patterns here. Okay, so we got that out of the way. Here we go. We got some batteries on the ground. They're the fat batteries. What is that single A? But yeah, if those, if you're wondering what those are for, they're for the inflator for my for my pump up mattress. I haven't pumped it up much. I think I've only pumped it up maybe. Once or twice since I've been here, it's been, I've been here since January 14th, so I've been here a month and 12 days now, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe it's been that long, holy Toledo, holy Toledo, okay, back to the action, 1996, The Preacher's Wife, Denzel plays Dudley, 97, TV movie called Mother Goose, a rapping and rhyming special. Humpty Dumpty and the Crooked Man. He's the voice of those. And he's also in the TV show from 95 to 97 called Happily Ever After, Fairy Tales for Every Child. He plays Humpty Dumpty, Crooked Man, and King Omar. And he's in 1998's Fallen. He plays John Hobbs. Also 98. He Got Game plays Jake Shuttlesworth. I'm clicking on this because I've heard Bill Simmons write a lot about this. And this looks interesting. Um, oh, yes. That's because Ray Allen's in it. Oh, my goodness. Ray Allen, former Seattle Supersonic. Man, talk about poking out an injury right now. Man, insult to injury. Just make me think of that Sonics and how much I miss them. Come on, NBA. Come on, NBA. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, the songs have returned to um, the NBA. And they're back in Seattle. And, I don't know, maybe we're playing at Key Arena, or maybe we're playing at a different place, but 
I don't even care where we play. As long as we're playing in the evergreen state, man. Come on. How does... They're not a team in jail. I'm Joe. Come on, man. <laughs> the, oh, man. You you gotta... Some people got angry. And some people... They, they're all hyped up on coffee, dude. You, you have... You have you never know. Once you have two grandes from Starbucks, you get their pumpkin lattes. You get those pumpkin spice lattes. You don't know what's what. You're not seeing things straight. <laughs> you got double vision. You got triple vision. <laughs> You're asking for the code. You can't remember what the code is in the bathroom. Um, right now, I'm actually also holding a football. And it's the old football from the Grizzly Bear facility here at Washington State University. I talked about that a few episodes ago. If you haven't heard it, definitely go ahead and listen to the first eight episodes of A Star is Born. Uh, makes sense chronologically, I think. We're not too far into the podcast, so stop it right here and go ahead and listen to the first eight if you want. And what was I just saying? Oh, yes, I was saying the old grizzly bear facility found this football when I was with my mom and we played catch and looked at the grizzly bears and it was fun. We walked out there and it was a long walk. I used to go on walks with my mom a lot. So it was a good memory. Like I especially remember going on a walk. We were actually in Sun River. I've talked about Sun River. It's a little resort town, a little touristy spot, hot spot full of cabins near Bend, Oregon, right in the middle of Oregon. And went there with my family. This was right before I drove down to move down to Los Angeles in September of 2015 for the old Jash internship. Um, yeah, I stayed the night there. Actually, a few nights there in the cabin. Before, yeah, me and my mom actually drove down. <laughs> Such a mama's boy. If you can't tell already, I'm a mama's boy. But uh, we drove from Bend to L.A., so there was some bickering on that trip for sure, though. I mean, once you drive with someone in the car for long enough, especially that drive down down I-5, oh, my gosh. If you guys have ever done that drive down down I-5 from, like, what is it, from, like, Sacramento to L.A., it's super farmy and just all agriculture and all stinky. And it's – I remember we stopped at a Walmart somewhere in there, and it was just – there's lots of sunscreen. Like, their sunscreen section was huge. But I guess it was... That's because it was California, so... That's probably why they have so much sunscreen, right? I figured that one out. <laughs> Solve that puzzle. The puzzle of the Walmart with lost sunscreen in California. <laughs> that sounds like a... I don't know. A motto. I'm going to go ahead and read a little, a little bit of this book from Thich Nhat Hanh. I've been... I checked it out. I read it earlier. I can't remember which episode. It was one of them. It's called You Are Here. Here we go. Let's let's just read a little part. Um, in this practice, you touch your eyes with your mindfulness. Oh, no. Here, I'll read the practice. Breathing in, I am mindful that I have eyes that are still in good condition. Breathing out, I smile that my eyes are still in good condition. In this practice... You touch your eyes with your mindfulness, and you have this simple insight. Your eyes are in good shape, and they still exist. 
You only have to open them to make contact with a paradise of forms and colors, a true paradise. Wow. That just makes me think of the dude in Don't Breathe and how intense the second half of that movie is because I watched the second half of Don't Breathe and I also wrote a review of the second half of Don't Breathe on my blog, thegotoone.blogspot.com. So if that sounds interesting to you, go ahead and check that out. But it's it's a very intense movie, and the second half gets it picks up. And I'm not going to give any spoilers, but there's a guy. It's about a, a blind man, and it's intense. We can touch the kingdom of God in everyday life. There is no need to travel a great distance to touch the kingdom of God because it is not located in space or time. The kingdom of God is in your heart. It is in every cell of your physical body. With a single mindful breath, a single insight that is deep enough, you can touch the kingdom of God. When you are practicing mindful walking, that is exactly what you are doing, touching the kingdom of God, walking in it mindfully, with compassion and understanding. The kingdom of God becomes your kingdom. Dang. Dang. God, I love this kind of... I love this kind of, like, present stuff. This Here, I'll just read the very beginning, and then I'll leave it at that. Let's just do a little bit more, because this, this kind of stuff makes me happy. Every 24-hour day is a tremendous gift to us, so we should all learn to live in a way that makes joy and happiness possible. We can do this. I begin my day by making an offering of incense with while following my breath. I, I think to myself that this day is a day to live fully, and I make the vow to live each moment of it in a way that is beautiful, solid, and free. This only takes me three or four minutes, but it gives me a great deal of pleasure. You can do the same thing when you wake up. Breathe in and tell yourself that a new day has been offered to you, and you have to be here to live it. Dang, I can't get enough of this. I have to read a little more. Sorry. Sorry, but allow me to um to just do this because I love it. I don't know. This is indulgence right here. This is pure indulgence. So be so we begin with the breath. Be nonviolent with your breathing. Be tender with it. Respect it and let it be as it is as it is. You breathe in. There's an in breath, that's all. If the in-breath is short, let it be short. If the in-breath is long, let it be long. Do not intervene or force either your in-breath or your out-breath. It's like looking at a flower, letting it be as it is, mindful of the fact that it is there, a kind of miracle. See the flower as it is. See the breath as it is. We let the flower be as it is, and we should not do violence to our breath either. Okay, that's enough of that for right now. I just love that stuff so much. That gets me so... It just makes me feel like... Like there's like some sort of like... Bigger meaning or something. I don't know. I like it. That's how much I... Really like... Very um... Buddha-like. <laughs> that kind of writing. <laughs> just makes me feel like calm and like... Like everything's like right with the world almost and like there's nothing really to worry about and everyone I know and love is just like taken care of and it just seems like when you read that kind of stuff to me it makes me just forget just like all the problems out there in the world and all the issues and all the anger people have and everything that's going on just put it put it down right there you know put it down set it down Put it in the corner, 
and leave it. Put it in lock, turn the key, lock the key, lock it, throw the key away. Boom. <laughs> I love it. Oh, all right, here we go. Back to He Got Game, back to Denzel, back to the show. A basketball player's father must try to convince him to go to a college so he can get a shorter sentence. Wait, so... The, the basketball player's father is trying to convince... Wait, so the dad is going to jail? Doesn't make any sense to me, really, but I'm not going to worry about it. 1998, The Siege. Denzel plays Anthony Hubbard. 99, he's in The Bone Collector. He plays Lincoln Rhyme, which is one of the greatest names of all time in film history. Lincoln Rhyme. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good rap name. 1999, The Hurricane. He's Reuben Carter. Here we go. 2000, Remember the Titans. We got to do a deep dive on Remember Titans right now. He's uh, Coach Herman Boone. So I'm going to go ahead. Coach Herman Boone is, um, he was the newcomer, I believe. He, there was a coach already there at the high school. And then if I'm not mistaken, I believe they brought in like kind of like a ringer. They brought in Coach Coach Boone. Let's see. I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page and we're going to do a deep dive right now. So this was a Disney movie. came out. September 29th, what? I thought this movie was 99, it was, okay, September 29th, 2000, I thought it was 99, I thought, this was, I thought this was a 90s movie, but I guess not, alright, looks like the budget was 30 million, and it grossed 136 million, let's just round up to 137 million worldwide, okay, it's, Considered to be one of the best football movies of all time. I'll agree with that. I'll just say it's the best one. Alright, so this is, um... Let's see. How do I... How do I trim this down? It looks like the plot's way too big, so I'm not going to read any of that. Let's just say... I'll read the beginning. Here we go. Ten years earlier, July 1971, desegregated T.C. Williams High School in Alexandria, Virginia... Black, black head coach Herman Boone is hired to coach the school's football team. And he's, and he's assigned to coach the team under current under current head coach Bill Yost, who is nominated for the Virginia High School Hall of Fame. Wow, they have a high school Hall of Fame. That's crazy. Okay, yeah, so I was, I was right. I was right. Yeah, so that's pretty much what happens. And that's the basis of... It's pretty much... Um, here we go. Um... In an attempt to placate rising racial tensions, the fact that, and the fact that all other high schools are white only, Boone is assigned the head coach job. He refuses, believing it's unfair to Yost, but relents after seeing what it means to the black community. Yost is then offered an assistance job by the school board and initially refuses, but reconsiders after the white players pledge to boycott the team if he does not participate. Dismayed. At the prospect of the students losing their chances at scholarships, Yost changes his mind and takes up the position of defensive coordinator under Boone to his daughter Cheryl's dismay. All right, there we go. So it's in Alexandria, Virginia, which was pretty close to Leesburg, Virginia, which is where my cousins used to be, uh, live. And that's um, that's the house that we went to 
right before we started the old East Coast baseball trip in 08. So there's that. I just remember them having a really cool basement. I also remember my dad and his friend in uh, Colorado had a super cool basement. I think they had one of those um, basketball hoops, tiny basketball hoop that my friend Brian had one of those two in his room. And I could just shoot on those things for hours, you know. <laughs> That's how big of a basketball diehard I am. Um, so 2001. Hey, I'm going back to Denzel. I'm staying right in- I'm stretching my legs, walking over by the microwave, still unplugged. Not plugging in my microwave because I already got one in the kitchen. All right, so 01, here we go. Training Day. This is a famous movie. He plays Alonzo. Haven't seen that one, I don't think. 02, John Q. He plays John Quincy Archibald. Guess that's John Q. Um, 02. Antoine Fisher, he plays Dr. Jerome Davenport. 03, Out of Time. Oh, yes. All right, so 03 is Out of Time. Matt Lee Whitlock. Something I just remembered. Something I forgot to do earlier today, last episode. And I'll just go ahead and do it right now. Is a top three and um, bottom three for Melissa McCarthy. I totally spaced on that. I don't know. I wrote it down on my legal pad, so I don't know how I forgot, but let's just go ahead and do it right now. So, top three is super easy, because she's a super good actor. It's going to be Bridesmaids, The Heat, and Spy. Boom, boom, boom. Super easy. Did that one right away. The bottom three is a little more interesting. Um, Let's go Happy Time Murders, because that one looked terrible. We will go, um, let's, uh, let's see, let's change it up, let's change it up, let's go Tammy, and I don't, I still gotta watch Identity Thief, got it on DVD, um, we will go for the other bottom three, let's just go, man, we can't go early, I don't know any of her early stuff, so I gotta go late, gotta go Identity Thief, it's unfortunate, but I definitely... Didn't think, oh no, <clears throat> excuse me. Instead of Identity Thief, let's go to the, bo- <clears throat> the boss. Um, because that one just looks absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's, I don't know what that movie was trying to do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's trying to be funny, obviously. It's a comedy, but I mean, I just don't know what what her character was supposed to be. Like, was that like a take on, I think it was like a take on Oprah or something. <laughs> so the bottom three is Happy Time Murders, uh, The Boss, and then Tammy. All right, so I'm happy we did that. And then the top three is obviously Bridesmaids, Heat, and Spy. And let me rank the top three. I will rank those in that order. Bridesmaids, The Heat, and Spy. Boom. Bang that out. All right, so 04, Man on Fire. Denzel is John W. Creasy. Also, 04, The Manchurian Candidate, Ben Marco. Haven't seen any either of those, but I heard these are good. 06, he's Inside Man, Detective Keith Frazier. Have not seen it. 06, Deja Vu, Doug Carlin. Haven't seen it. 07, American Gangster, Frank Lucas. Haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, I gotta watch some Denzel movies. Jeez. 
07, The Great Debaters, Melvin B. Tolson. Haven't seen it. Jesus. I'm going to click on The Great Debaters. I heard this one was good. Um, PG-13. Wow, long movie. 126 minutes. Biography, drama, romance. A drama based on the true story of Melvin B. Tolson, a professor at Wiley College, Texas. In 1935, he inspired students to form the school's first debate team, which went on to challenge Harvard at the national championship. Harvard. I'm going to look up Wiley College. I've never heard of... Have you guys ever heard of Wiley College? But speaking of Texas, I was talking about earlier, I don't think I could ever live in Texas. Not It's not like a... About the, it's not a people thing. It's... um. More of a weather thing, I think. I think the weather is terrible. So Wiley College is a four-year private historically black liberal arts college located on the west side of Marshall, Texas. Okay. Founded in 1873 by the Methodist Episcopal Church's Bishop Isaac Wiley. Certified in 1882 by the Freedmen's Aid Society. One of the oldest predominantly black colleges west of the Mississippi River. Okay. Wow. Uh... 1,400 students. Um, let's see. I'm going to see where Marshall, Texas is. Marshall is northeastern Texas. What? Okay, so is, is it near... It must be um, pretty near Houston then. Texas's geography is another thing that's crazy. Is how different, <clears throat> different parts of that state can be so different from each other. Like, that'd be kind of a cool, like, travel channel show just to have someone just explore all the different parts. Excuse me. Have a travel channel show where someone just explores all the different parts of Texas. Like, I think that would be, I think that'd be pretty fun. Like, oh, they could go to every single county in Texas. There we go. What would I call that? I call that, um, Texas Road Trip. (laughs) Just a basic title. Okay, so Great Debaters, see if there's anyone in it. Oh, Nate Parker. Where's Nate Parker from? Hmm. He definitely... Nate Parker's from Norfolk, Virginia. He's born November 18th, 1979. But I meant, where's he from? What movie do I know Nate Parker? Oh, Nonstop. Of course. That, uh... I saw this one in theaters. The, um... Liam Neeson... It's basically, uh... Speed on a Train... No, no, not Speed on a Train. That's the Denzel movie. This one's... <laughs> why am I saying Speed on a Train? I was talking about the Denzel movie. I'm so confused right now. No, this one's um, the texting one where he's getting texts from like a terrorist. And he's on an airplane. So that's what happens. And then they, and they find out the texts are coming from inside the house. Or, you know, inside the plane. Speaking of inside the house, like a random thought... Random house movie that I really love. It's called The Strangers. It's a horror movie. And it's just a classic horror movie. And uh, who's in that? Is it Glenn Howerton? I think Dennis from It's Always Sunny might be in it. Alright. Don't quote me out. Oh, 09. Here we go. Back to Denzel. The Taking of Pelham 123. Heard of it? Walter Garber. The Book of Eli, 2010, he plays Eli. Here's the speed of train movies. Uh, Unstoppable, 2010, plays Frank. In 
2012, he's in Safe House, plays Tobin Frost. Oh, this is an intense movie. 2012, he's in Flight, plays Whip Whitaker. That is not a movie to watch on an airplane. I'm sure someone said that before. 2013, he's in Two Guns, plays Bobby. Um, we talked about that in the Mark Wahlberg episode. Episode 2 of A Star is Born. 2014, Denzel was in The Equalizer, plays Robert McCall. And Luis Ferdinand Celine says, If I had slept properly, I'd never have written a line. That's a quote from The Truth About Writing. I write because I'm curious. I'm curious about me, Pat Mora. I write to become someone else, that better, smarter self that lives inside my dumbstruck twin, Dorian Lau. <laughs> That's a good one. I write because I'm afraid to say some things out loud. Gordon Atkinson. I write to save someone's life. Probably my own. Claire Lispector. Wow, those are good. Um, Let's see what we got here. The real beauty of being a writer is that you can work from... You can work in bed. That, these just sound familiar. Like, I keep wondering if I've read them. <laughs> Nancy DeVille. All right, so those are a few of those. Back to... Let's get back to the real thing y'all came for. Um, the Equalizer, yep, yep. Did they come up? They just came out with a sequel for that, I believe. Uh, we'll see in a second. 2016, The Magnificent Seven plays Chisholm. All right, we got to see who the other six people are. Um, I think this kind of came out. Excuse me. I think this came out around the same time as Hateful Eight. So... It's like one of those ants, a bug's, ants in a bug's life situations, I guess. Um, other six people: Chris Pratt, Ethan Hawke, Vincent D something, Byung Hung something. Okay, those are the only. All right, those are the only big names. Uh, Magnificent Sevens, PG thirteen, hundred thirty two minutes, action adventure western. Seven gunmen in the Old West gradually come together to help a poor village against savage thieves. Wow. Sounds intense. Who directed this? Let's see who directed it before I go on. Um, wow. I'm not even going to find it. Okay. Forget it. Let's let's just... Oh. Antoine Fuca. There we go. We, we did it. 2016. Denzel is in Fences. Plays Troy Maxson. 2017, uh, Roman J. Israel ESQ. Is that short for something? He plays Roman J. Israel ESQ. Is that short for something? Full title. All right, final credit. Wow. All right, I got to click on fences because I'm not even. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not even ready for this thing to come to an end. (laughs) Fences, PG 13. 139 minutes is a drama. A working class African American father tries to raise his family in the 1950s while coming to terms with the events in his life. That's like the most basic plot synopsis of all time. What? He's all right. Here we go. Let's let's check let's check the boxes off here. He's working class. He's trying to raise a family in the 50s, and he's coming to terms with some events from his 
from where? From his life. Wow, that's like... (laughs) I don't know, man. How can you get any more less descriptive less specific i don't know man all right that's okay um all right let's let's just do it let's just keep barreling through 19 all right now why did i say 19 2018 this is credit number 56 out of 56 holy toledo we did it we did it we did it we did it it's not your fault it's not your fault yeah Baby, when I'm crying for you, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, yeah. Baby, I'm a little confused, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, yeah. Oh, it's not that you don't care, I just wanted you to know, no, no, no. Baby, when I'm crying for you, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, yeah. Baby, I'm a little confused, it's not your fault, not your fault, yeah. Oh. Alright, I love that song. That's, um, who is that? Wait, now I gotta look it up because I gotta give these guys a plug. I can't just go on. I think it's, oh, AWOL Nation. I remembered it. Didn't even have to look it up. It's those guys who did the... The song I don't really like that goes, Sam! <laughs> the theme song of. That's a theme, the theme song of Gilgan's Island. That's, that's what plays when you walk into Nautica. Sail! That's what, that's what they play at, in the sales office when they make. The old, the, old, the, the old sales office, you know? They ring the bell when, when someone makes a sale of paper. Or printer or something. And then they play that little clip of the song. And it goes, Sail! Sail! You know that song. Sail! God, that song. Alright. Here we go. Let's just do it. Let's just... <laughs> enough, enough stalling. Final credit for Denzel. Here we go. 2018. I just mentioned it before. He plays Robert McCall. The Equalizer 2. Boom, boom, boom. Might as well look at it. Let's see what this is all about. Rated R. 121 minutes. Action crime thriller. Robert McCall serves an unflinching sentence. Or an unflint Serves an unflinching justice for the exploited and oppressed. <laughs> but how far will he go when as someone he loves? Wow. An unflinching justice for the ex- exploited and oppressed. But how far we go when that's some- for someone he loves. Okay. Huh. Okay. Doesn't have anyone I know in it. Um, that's that. I can't believe we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. I am getting loopy over here. Over here in Pullman in my apartment. Starting to lose my marbles after um, recording these two podcasts today. Um, happy I made it through. Barreled through it. Jeez. Um, Let's just do some plugs. I have a couple books. One of them's called Sponge Cake, a mostly made up story about a completely insane town. The other's What's in the Fridge. Sponge Cake's a novel about a middle school bake sale set in New England. And what's in the fridge is it's mostly inspirational, uh, spiritual, motivational, 
and there's also some pop culture short stories. So check those out. Check that out. Um, you can get those Amazon, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, and check out my blog, thegoat1.blogspot.com. My website, chrisstheauthor.com. Follow me on Twitter at chrisstheauthor8 and Instagram at chrisarneson8. And thank you so much for sharing the podcast with a friend, family member, coworker, next person you see in line at the grocery store, whoever you want, whoever you want to share it with. Just tell someone, you know, come on, man. Come on, man. I'm desperate, man. I'll just start begging you. No, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Um, really appreciate it. And I just can't believe that we're doing it. We're doing it live. This is a crazy ride. And you all are along for it with me. And we're just, I'm just so grateful that you all are listening and telling people about the podcast and having fun with me and just just hanging out and listening to me just, just talk about, just, just BS pretty much, you know, just spitball, talk about my past, talk about some movies, some actors, some fun stuff, you know. And I think it, I think it's that time. I think I, I don't really have anything else to say. So I'm just gonna go ahead and say, closing time. Time for you to go home to the places where you belong. Closing time. Time for you to go home to the places where you belong. I know who I want to take me home I know who I want to take me home I know who I want to take me home Take me home Closing time Time for you to go home to the places where you belong. Thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode of Stars Born. And I can't wait to talk to you guys again. Um, I love you.